Welcome to Rule Number Seven Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Kyle. And your rule of the day is know your local heroes. Today we're interviewing our boy Josh. We're gonna get some info from him of what he does in the world. And uh welcome to the podcast, bro. What's up, guys? How are we doing? Good, good. Aggravated from playing Call of Duty earlier, but I'm good. <laughs> I got fully tilted. I hate my life. I hate it so fucking much. It's always the uh the little fuckers that uh aren't that great and they talk the most shit. Yes, dude, like Kyle. Huh? It's awful. Huh? <laughs> but no, uh so if you're cool with it, um so you were in the military. Yeah. Yeah. So if if we could get into that first and yeah, kind absolutely. of get like your background, that'd be tight. Yeah, so uh uh going back, it's gonna it's gonna start all the way back in sorry, high school. But can you turn down a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see how your waves are clipping? <clears throat> I don't even see my waves on here. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, just keep going down. Let me know. That's that's good. Yeah, yeah you're sorry. Per- okay. Let's see if I can turn. All right. I can I can still hear hear myself a little bit, just not as good as what it what it was. So if you Is need that, to will turn that be up a problem? Hair? Uh if I start yelling, just let me know. All right. If okay. you want to turn up a hair, you ha- you have like a little bit of room, yeah. but not much. How's that? That's, We're good. That's okay. Fine. Okay. So we'll have to go back to high school. So nine mm-hmm. eleven happened whenever I was a freshman in high school. Bro, I was in elementary school. <laughs> so was I. How old are you, bud? I'm thirty six. God damn. Yeah, I'm old, man. I feel like the age difference shouldn't... Well, I guess so. Yeah, I was in fifth grade. You said you were a freshman? Yeah, I was a freshman in high school. He has a beard bigger than both of us will ever have, (laughs) so it makes sense. All right, sorry to interrupt. No, you're good. So I I clearly remember going into class, and we ended up starting uh, starting our uh, lecture for the day. And it was like... It was one of those classes that don't really mean shit, uh, but you're forced to go to anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went in there and it was a French teacher that was teaching us and she was from France and we had got word that, you know, the, uh, world trade center has been attacked and hit and she wanted to go along with class and, you know, and it was just one of those feelings like, no, fuck, no, you're going to turn that fucking TV on and we're going to watch and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like something has happened on us soil and we all want to see what's happening. Right. So, and it was that moment that I, that I re- clearly remember and feel, um, you know, whatever happens from this moment forward, I'm going to serve my country. Mm-hmm. That was the moment that I knew that I was going to serve. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no intention on serving in the military before that. But that moment. So it was just like snap of a finger. Yeah, it was a snap. And then, you know. The further that it went along in the war that started in the war that I ended up be, uh, becoming a part of. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, but that was the moment that I was like, yeah. So that was 2000, you know, 2001. And then I ended up joining the military in 2007. So uh, was it like straight out of school? No, I I didn't do it straight out of high school. Um I ended up getting, <laughs> I ended up getting a baseball scholarship in high school. Yo, that's and sick. What position so did you play? I was a third baseman and a pitcher. God damn. damn <laughs> so, bro. We got a goddamn superstar on the podcast. <laughs> 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 no, 
<laughs> it, it, it was a small NAIA school, but uh, but it was a full ride. Hell yeah. But I ended up going there for a year and I ended up quitting because I was young, dumb, and in love. Um, hmm. So I ended up coming back home after a year. And then I ended up working at a bowling alley out of all places. <laughs> so I ended up, I ended up managing a bowling alley and I, I was also a bartender. Oh, okay. And then one day I woke up and I was like, there's no better time than now. Like now is the time to do it. So I was like, cause if not, I'm going to be stuck in dead end ass jobs and I'm not going to do anything with my life. So the very next day I went and talked to a recruiter. And I wish I remember what the recruiter's name is. I could see his face. I could see his face. Mm-hmm. Can't remember his name for shit. I have a terrible memory when it comes to names. Right. But I ended up running into him at Fort Polk, Louisiana, when um, I was there for training. It was just out of the blue. We went to a bowling alley to get some beers and bowl a few games. Right. And he was fucking there. And I oh, was yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, I'm now not a recruiter say- anymore. You say training. Is that what MEPS is? So MEPS. So MEPS is the first thing that you do going into the military. MEPS is your like medical, dental, vision. You take your ASVAB test, all that stuff. Oh, is that where they kind of say, here, you're, you're green lighted to, to go or no? Yeah, you're good you to can't. go or no, you, you, can't, you can't do this. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know if it's true or not, but they say that their whole like mission is to fail you. Like mm. you're not supposed to get in. We're here to fail X amount of people. And we're going to do that. And people will, they'll pull up, you know, medical records. They'll pull up um, any type of record on you. They know, they know more shit about you than you know about yourself. <laughs> right. I mean, you go in there and you're, you're nervous as shit. You're like, are they going to find anything? Like I, I never got in trouble ever in my life. And I was nervous as shit. I was like, are they going to fucking find something? I don't, I don't know about they're in there like fingerprinting my both hands They're, You know, I have doctors that are doing like asshole exams and shit like this. The old, butt, the old finger in the butt trick, man. They got, you. <laughs> you know, you go and you piss in a cup. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you take it, the ASVAB's an easy test, but right. some of the smartest people fail it because they overthink it it's very Mm. critical thinking type type test so it's like you have basic mathematics you have um you have one test i don't know what you would call it but it's you look at gears and it's like this gear goes this way this gear goes that way so what what direction will this gear go we call it a mechanical test yeah it's like a mechanical but there's there's that in there too and then they put all these numbers together and then they're like, okay, this is how smart you are. These are the jobs you can have. But going in, you know, after I passed everything, going in, I, I knew that I wanted one job and one job only. And that job was infantry. I wanted to be frontline. I wanted to be the dude that was kicking in freaking doors. You, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be, because in my mind, that was the most badass job. <coughs> You don't hear a lot of guys saying that. No, there's, uh, well, besides, besides the guys that I served with, a lot of people are like, are you fucking nuts? Like, right. <laughs> are you stupid? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm, I might, I might be, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted, cause like my whole plan was 
going in as an infantryman and then going like SF Ranger and then to tier one. Mm. Never happened. But right, right. I cut my military career short, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, that was that was MEPS. And then from there, I had maybe a day and a half. No, 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 no. I, I went to MEPS twice. The first time mm. I went to MEPS was all the testing and stuff like that. Went home, came back like a day later, swore in. And then that a couple hours later, I was on a plane going Holy to uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Damn. Yeah, that quick. So I had one day to go say goodbye to family, friends, all that shit, pack a bag, mm-hmm. be at where MEPS the you, next morning. I was going to ask, because I know there's a MEPS place in Georgia. Is that where mm-hmm. you went? I Actually, I, Louisville, Kentucky is where I okay. was at. So okay. I grew up in just south of Lexington, Kentucky, small little town called Nicholasville. Okay. Um, so from Lexington, went all the way to Louisville, flew out of uh, Louisville International to Atlanta. And then Damn. that's where I got on a bus and uh, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia for basic training. Oh, okay. They call it Sand Hill. How yeah. long did that bus ride feel? Forever. <laughs> like everybody, nobody said a fucking word. Nobody said a word on that on that bus. Everybody was so quiet. It was dark outside. Couldn't see anything. Then, so as soon as you get to Fort Benning, Georgia, you automatically think, okay, I'm here at Fort Benning, Georgia. We just showed up. A drill sergeant's going to show up and just start ripping our ass. Right. Wasn't anything like that. You go in, you have about a two-week process before you actually go to basic training where you're filling out paperwork where you're getting haircuts, you're getting military uniforms, you're getting issued all this stuff, and they're preparing you for basic training. Now, they don't tell you anything about it. You're ju- they're just doing all the, the legwork prior to you getting there. Okay. Wow. So that two weeks took fucking forever. But it was kind of like a little mini vacation because, you know, you just hung out with a bunch of dudes. Because I was infantry, so it was nothing but males. At mm-hmm. that time, females could not serve in the in the infantry whatsoever. They can now, but they couldn't at that time. Okay. Um, so, did the two weeks. We had all of our shit. They had us line up in alphabetical order uh, with numbers. Then the, the real bus showed up. That was <laughs> the bus that took us down the street to where we were going to be staying for the next 16 weeks. Mm-hmm. Because infantry, infantry is a little different. All other MOSs or jobs in the infant or in the military, you do just a normal 10 week basic training. And then from that point, you go from basic training and then you go to what's called AIT and that's your job training. Right. And that can last anywhere between four weeks and 52 weeks, depending on what job you have. Um, but most people do around 16 weeks of training before they actually go to their first unit. Right. But infantry does one-stop unit training, which is called OSIT. So I'm in basic training for pretty much 16 weeks. And that, you know, they teach you everything there. I mean, basic, uh, mark, or basic rifle marksmanship, medical training, 
you learn how to na- uh, land navigation. Uh, you learn about the different weapon systems. You can break them all down. You can tell what's in them, what they use, how they're to be used, uh, any type of grenades that we may use. Right. Which, I assume you threw some, right? Oh, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, and grenades are very lackluster compared to what you see in the movies and video games. Really? Like, oh, so, yeah. so they don't make as much of a boom? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, that sucks. I'm expecting I, it to put like a 10-foot hole in the fucking ground. No. Well, it's more so to throw shrapnel everywhere, isn't it? It is. So okay. the whole point of a grenade is the blast goes up and out. So it makes a V-shape. Okay. And when you make that V-shape, that shrapnel, because the, the grenade's metal, so it, it explodes the grenade, mm-hmm. and all of the pieces of the grenade just <laughs> go out, Damn. and that's what, that's what kills people. It's the huh. shrapnel. It's like going through your body like a knife through hot butter. Right. So you think you could get us one? or? <laughs> <laughs> and, they, nah. and they don't look like what you think they look like. Right. Like, you, you know the old pineapple grenades? Yeah. That ha- yeah, they don't look like that anymore. They're just little round grenades. And you, yeah, you sweep it. There's two different types of uh, safeties on it. You would sweep and it pulls like a pin that's on the outside that covers the, the pull pin. So you sweep it, pull it. And then when you throw it, that's when that little metal piece, that looks like a handle comes off and that's what triggers the countdown. And it's like, it's like three to six seconds. I think you ever cook one. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> not big enough cooking them. Huh? No, you get your ass tore up big. Time so, you did it. you also, um, along with that, learn like uh, like basic survival skills and shit? Uh, was a that little part bit, of it, or is that going to be like a different mo or something? Um, I mean, they teach you a little bit. I mean, because my job, you know, we're out in the shit the entire time. So, right. like, whenever you go out on a mission as an infantryman. Um, we always like bed down in the shittiest spots that we can find on purpose, mm-hmm. because if we don't want to be there, nobody else is going to want to go there. Right. So like the nastiest, dirtiest, shittiest place you can find, is probably where we're sleeping for that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sucks. Wow. Yeah, I guarantee yeah. it. And you'll get into that when you talk about your deployments? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And you're comfortable uh, with all that too? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've um I've talked about my deployments. Uh well I have one deployment, but uh in the four years I was in. Um but yeah, especially with the job that I'm in now, I right. talk to veterans quite often and share stories and cool. Hello, mine aren't as good as some of the guys that we have on, but right. I mean, it's still an experience. Right, right, right. So from that point in basic, sixteen weeks. Um so at the very end of the time that I was in Fort Benning, Georgia, um, I had orders to go to Alaska because I was supposed to go. Yeah. Yeah. I I was, I was fucking stoked. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was supposed to go to javelin school. So I was going to learn how to, how to operate the javelin. Mm -hmm. Um, well that fell through for some reason. Right. The, the drill sergeants were like, Hey, javelin school is not happening. Orders are changing. I was like, oh shit. So those of us that were going, because those of us that were going to javelin school were going to Alaska for some reason. Don't know why. Mm-hmm. But we got new yellow packets and I opened it up and it said we were going to Fort Benning or uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. 
which is my home state. And I was like, fuck, that sucks. Yeah. Like, no shit. I, I wanted, I joined the military, you know, one of the reasons to see the world. Right. See, and they're like, hey, guess what? Here you go. Here's paper. <laughs> You're going three hours, three hours north uh, or three hours south of the road, you know? It's like, shit. That like, that sucks. Uh, so I had, from the time I graduated basic training. So uh, hang on, let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. At the very end of basic, um, they put you through a very long ruck march. So you put on, I think it was like 115 pounds on your back. I think that's what it was. Nothing compared to what you do when you're in the regular army in your unit. But whenever you march for, you know, I think it was like 15 miles or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and then doing practice missions and stuff, everything that you learned, you do on this long ass walk with a mm. big ass backpack on your back and full gear. And, um, like you take contact, you have to, you have, uh, your team lead or your, uh, squad leader at that time, you know, is going to have you, you know, you bound and flank and you have to, um, it's it's so weird. Like whenever you play these video games and stuff like that, nothing is true to what it really is in the military. Right. <laughs> like whenever we all run around crazy playing multiplayer uh Warzone, um, we're just going wherever the hell we want, you know. Right. You, you don't really know where your other people are and stuff like that. Well, in the real military, you know where your other people are at all times. Right. And you do it through different uh different motions like um they call it like a flaming rock where you, you literally f have a rock right. and it has like a tail on it. That's like this long and it's um, like bright orange on one end and uh, the other side is like bright yellow. So right. when you throw it, you can clearly see the tail like flapping in the wind and you know, to either cease fire or shift fire. So, oh, and yeah, so you have one team, that's bounding this way mm -hmm. and you have another team that's bounding this way. So you keep doing that back and forth, back and forth until like staggering. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. So that's, that's usually how you sneak up on an enemy that way. <laughs> Damn. That's tight. Yeah. And like, you know, military formations, you learn all that shit, like mount training, mount training is, um, when you're actually going into buildings and stuff like that, that was my, favorite training of all time i love Guaranteed. stacking up on doors i love kicking in doors i love close quarter combat that was my favorite shit in the world to do in the military right long distance stuff didn't really care about it too much but mm -hmm. that's what you get into in afghanistan right so a lot of long distance shit right so got my orders at the very end of basic um you have like this whole ceremony once you get the infantry is very, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, um, oh shit. The word is just, it's slipping my, my Happens mind right now. Fucking every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like since, since I got out of the military, like my memory is so fucked up. It is so jacked up. I can't remember right. shit anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a lot of the medications and shit that I took while I was in. Right. Um, that, that were given to me. We called Kyle's dad one time trying to figure out a word. <laughs> I've grabbed my fiance before. Uh, and we still got it wrong. Uh, but yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, I kind of get what you're saying. I almost said 
ritual, but it's not a fucking ritual. Like, we got these I mean, robes it's, it's, and we have these rituals at the end of the I mean, the it kind of feels that way, though. Like, Guaranteed. at the very at the very end of that march and that field training, like you get to these this huge like wooden gate and it has these humongous fucking flames on each end. They're just like it's just blaring. And then all of a sudden you just hear this metal music in the background just going off like. I, I almost got a hard on like getting up there. Like I was like, I was like, this is so fucking, I got so pumped. Everybody was like, yeah, because we got there and then the gates open. This is, mm-hmm. and then in the center is this other huge fucking flame. It's, I mean, it's like a huge flame. It's the largest like bonfire looking flame I've ever seen before in my life, but it's like in this circle goblet looking thing. And then in front of it, there's, there is an actual grog. And it has this stuff in it. I have no idea what the fuck it is. It's just so, grog is what they call it. So what's a grog? So it's it's just a mixture of a bunch of different liquids like that you drink. <laughs> so what? It, I, I, I'm not shitting you. I'm not that shitting is you. Wild, bro. So Here, you, get in, there, you get in there. You get there. You have all the drill sergeants in their, you know, in their uh, what we call brown rounds, their mm-hmm. hats. Right. You know, they're all tilted forward. They're all, you know, dress, dress, right, dress. Like everybody looks the fucking same, just staring there at you, looking like badasses. Mm-hmm. You get up there, they pin you. So whenever they pin you after becoming an infantryman, it's your cross rifles. It's the symbol of the infantry. And it has a blue disc behind it. Mm-hmm. And that symbolizes the infantry. The only people in the military that have any type of thing behind their uh, pins are the infantry. Oh, so it's, sick. yeah, so it's, it, it's very meaningful. Right, right. And you get your blue cord as well. Only people in the military that have a cord, infantrymen. Shit. <laughs> so you get those things, you take your canteen cup out, you each go up there one at a time, you dip your canteen in the grog, you drink it. <laughs> Shit's fucking awesome. Get that then, prison hooch, baby. <laughs> and, and you just have that sense of like, holy shit, I just did something that only 1% of the United States population has done. It's fucking badass, man. It's crazy oh. to think about. Fucking right. And how much did that stuff fuck you up? It was, it was. <laughs> Honestly, I think it was like lemonade and Kool-Aid and stuff like that. Like, oh, okay. It tasted, it tasted fucking good. I don't know what was in it, but yeah, there was no alcohol in it. Oh, that's because <laughs> a lot, a lot of people, they, um, a lot of people are under the age of twenty-one. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, so the military be getting in some. Oh my goodness, my son. No, no, you're, I, you're, I, you're good, dude. brother. You're, you're good. good we don't What's care. What's up, Bobby? Shit. <laughs> Dude, if you need to take a break, we're good. No, he just took a shit. So oh, okay. he's, like, he's like, hey, I just, I just, I just shit in here. All right, hang on. I'll be right back. I'll take your time. Dude. I need to wipe. <laughs> Get over here, man. <laughs> All right. So you drink the jungle juice. Yeah. <laughs> you drink, you drink the grog. Everybody's so, like. So you have the pin with the blue backing mm-hmm. and then you have the blue cord. Yep. And so was there anything else that infantry had that that the rest of the military is not going to get? All men. Your balls? Of, uh, all yeah, like, men. Like some fucking nuts. <laughs> like some nuts about them. As all men. 
no women yeah. whatsoever. Right. And um, that is like living in a frat house 24-7. Oh, bro. I So I have, um, I have, I come from like a big military family mm-hmm. and I was the piece of shit that wasn't in the military. Um, so, but like, I have a bunch of cousins and, and friends that are just, that talk about the fucking, like the parties and the drinking and the fucking bars and all that shit, man. I best time of my life, man. I'm telling right. you best time of my life. Like that's sick. Just, and I don't know how 90% of us didn't die from alcohol poisoning. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it, it's, in it's bad important decisions. to have that bond though. Right. It is. And like, like, I feel like you guys really have to build that up to be an infantry because I mean, that's who you're going to be with in the shit. Yeah. That's your boy to your left. That's your boy to your right. And that's the boy that has your six. Like if you all don't like each other, (laughs) then that could end up bad. Right. That makes sense. It could end up bad. And you know, the military is all about weeding out the weak. Mm -hmm. If you can't handle what we're doing, then you don't need to be here. You don't need As to be doing this. Be. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, you're playing with other people's lives. Exactly. You know, essentially. And not just their life, your, their family's life. You know, most of these people are married, have kids. Yep. You know, when I was in, I, I wasn't married. I didn't have any kids at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was just this little bachelor that was, you know, 21 years old. Ready to rip someone's just fucking head off. Ready. Ready. You know, wrote, uh, you know, I raised my right hand during a war, during a right. war. So I just pretty much right there was like, okay, I'm here's the check for my life right here. Yeah. Like if I cash it, I cash it. I, I know the consequences. I know what I signed up for. This is what I want. And it was funny, like <clears throat> just going back and talking about like when, when I did join, cause when I told the guy. I remember this clear as day, like his face when he looked at me. He was like, "Well, here, here's the list of your jobs." I was like, "You can keep it. I want infantry." And he was just like, <laughs> "You want what?" It's like, "Yeah, I want infantry." <clears throat> so they don't stray away from people that come in there like gung ho, like put me front fucking line. No, it's like because they always they always say that infantrymen are the stupidest people in the military like intelligent wise and just because you're going into the infantry you're, you're just dumb but um, that's like like the farthest thing from the truth though isn't you, it some of the most intelligent people that i've ever met before in my life were that that i served with in right. the infantry like we are experts in none but jack of all trades because mm-hmm. we're out there by ourselves yeah we may have some attachments for like medic like we we had a couple couple medics that uh were attached to us <laughs> and you're gonna laugh at this we had forward observers which are called fisters <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're the guys that are you know looking through the the binos with range finders and okay they're the ones calling in airstrikes and stuff like that. That's tight. So That's they had yeah. be a fun job. And they also call in mortar strikes. Is Jesus. that why you fucking mortar strike everything in Call of Duty? <laughs> <laughs> so here's a fun fact you may not know is that in, in the infantry, you have 11 Bravos, 
which is the MOS tag, and that's your um, infantry like rifle unit. Mm-hmm. Then you have eleven Charlies, which are also infantry, but those are your mortarmen. Hmm. So when you're in basic, you're told you're a Bravo or a Charlie, right? One or the other. You, if you're a Charlie, you still learn all the shit that the Bravos learn, but you also learn how to how to freaking sling mortars, right? That's which is sick. yeah, it's pretty dope. Like watching those guys shoot off mortars, it's just like, like how the fuck are you all doing this shit? Like <laughs> just on the fly mathematics. Oh like, god, I'd be fucked for and the angle had, and everything. Yeah, so they have like little, they're like little things that you just you turn and it like a gear a dial co- on it. Yeah, and it like it'll go left and right and up and down. Okay, and they they do that shit like all these people, they're moving and like the fisters call it in. Then it gets to the the mortarmen. I know the fisters. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great, and I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. There was a um, a country musician that was a fister before he was a, a country musician. I can't remember who it <laughs> He's is. He's a fister from way he back. was, <laughs> <laughs> and he actually he, he actually visited us when we were in Afghanistan. Oh, that's sick. I can't think of what his name is. Um, it'll come to me later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just crazy watching them do that shit and just throwing the mortars down. That's nuts. Yeah. But so I get to Fort Campbell in 2007, and that's where I stayed my entire career. I was at Fort Campbell. Really? From, yep. No shit. Yeah. Didn't move. Um, if I would have re-enlisted, I definitely would have went somewhere else. Right. Uh, a lot of people that were re-enlisting the time that I w- sh- that I would have uh, were all going to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So they would all- you get the choice on a re-enlistment then? Nope. They send you where they need you. Okay. Now, so, at what yeah. point does it get to where you get to choose? You don't. You don't ever get to choose. Really? No. Damn. Once you're in, the army owns your ass. That's why they oh, call shit. him the big green weenie, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> they so did fuck you, man. <laughs> so my grandfather was Air Force. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember him telling me he got to choose. Air Force... Is it's way different, I know. Oh, yeah. They're the bougie ones. I think ones the of Navy's the... different, too, because my buddy just got to choose to stay uh, inland for the next couple of years. Now, I can, like, I know Marines don't get a choice. Army doesn't get a choice. There there may be a couple, you know, branches that they're right, like, right. yeah, if, if you do X amount of years, you'll you'll get to choose. One, so what... Go ahead. No, go ahead. What... What made you not choose to be a Marine? Because the way you're talking would make me think that that's what you would choose to do. Because isn't that like the most badass of the stuff? Well, it depends. It depends. Like, it depends on how you think. My my way of thinking was this. I, my whole goal was I wanted to make it up to Special Forces. Mm. Special Forces SF is only in the Army. Okay. So... Once you get into the Marines, you have the Marine Raiders. Mm-hmm. Air Force has PJs. <laughs> and they're the that ones that... so funny. <laughs> yeah. They have the pajamas. P- the PJs. <laughs> um, what else? Navy, SEALs. Okay, SEALs are pretty fucking badass. Yep. They're Seal- well known. Yeah. So, and then Army also has Rangers. Rangers and SF. 
Uh, so the ones that you usually hear about, SF, Rangers, Navy SEALs. Right. Now, where you, does Green Berets sit under so, that? So Green Berets are SF. Those are special okay. forces. Gotcha. Now, you also have a top of the, like, top-notch, tier one uh, special operations unit called Delta Force. Yep. So Delta Force is situated inside the United States Army. Mm-hmm. But they take from all other branches. No shit. Yeah. So you so could have someone from the Air Force be... Yep. No shit. Yep. Okay, that's pretty cool. I think if they... So all that, all that's like a very, very detail-oriented, like, it's called selection to get into, like, mm-hmm. SF, to get to become a Green Beret. So you have people from all walks of the United States Army that are trying to get in to become SF. So you have people that are straight-up regular Army. You have people that are Army Rangers. You have people that are slotted from basic training to go to selection because uh, it was in their contract. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't lucky enough to get that, but, um, but yeah. And then you go through this huge course where they don't yell and scream at you. They literally, it, like people claim for it to be what's called a gentleman's course. Mm-hmm. They tell everybody the exact same thing. They tell you what you need to do and how much time you have to complete it. That's all they tell you. We gave you all the information. You either do it or you don't. Right. And even if you make it all the way to the end, they could say, yeah, well, you know what? We just don't see you as a fit here. Mm. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was my goal was to go SF, but it just it never happened. If I would have, yeah. if I would have reenlisted, I definitely would have went to selection or mm-hmm. put my packet in to go and see if I was accepted to go to selection. Right. Uh, let's see. What, what, what were you talking about before that? So you're okay, uh, Kentucky now. Yep, yep. So I'm in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Um, it's a when I first got there to my unit. So have you ever heard of the Band of Brothers? No, I've seen the movie. Yeah, that that's that's what I'm talking about. The movie. <clears throat> oh, okay, okay, yeah. So yeah. that was an actual group. That really? A, yeah, that was the second of the five hundred six, and um. That was the unit I was in. No fucking way. (laughs) That's tight. So my unit was the unit that the Band of Brothers were in. So there's a lot, a lot of history in the unit that I was in. So already just getting there, it's like, holy shit. Like Mm -hmm. so much happened. So much history happened from, you know, gentlemen that were in this detachment right here. Right. It was so fucking awesome. Just seeing pictures, like just walking, you know, in headquarters and stuff like that. Just seeing the pictures on the wall. You saw like the Mohawks that they, that they sported with the uh, smiley face, face paint over on that's their cheeks <clears throat> before they were jumping in. Like, that's just, that's just fucking badass. Even, you that's know, wild to have that troll ass fucking smiley faces on their, on their cheeks. Yeah. Jumping into war and about to freaking just clap cheeks is what they were about to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking right, man. Hell yeah. But yeah, like there's so much history at Fort Campbell. I I loved my time there. I loved the people that I that I served with. Um mm-hmm. whenever I first got there, my my unit was in Iraq. Mm-hmm. So 
I was back in what's called rear D and that's, um, I know a lot of acronyms and shit in the military sound very sexual. Like Hey, we're going to call this rear, rear D. D. <laughs> this is where all the dicks are going to be back here in the rear. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, but yeah, you're in rear D and you're just waiting for them to get back. I think they were there for less than a month. So okay. there, there's, there was no point in, all the new guys that were coming in to go to Iraq and help them out. There's no point. It would just be, we would get there and then pretty much turn back around. Right. Um, so get there in 2007 and then try. Yeah. Uh, we left St. Patty's day, 2008 to go to Afghanistan. Shit, so, so your anniversary for that was yeah, this week. Yeah. days ago. It's crazy. Shit. I left on St. Patty's Day, came back on St. Patty's Day. So, oh, shit. So you had a year deployment. Yeah. Okay. Drank my ass off the night before. Well, it was, let's see. Because I think St. Patty's Day fell during the week, so we were all out getting hammered on the weekend. Yeah. Um, that was probably the most nerve-wracking time that I ever had. Um in the military was where all the families were there at the unit. We're, we're looking at all these families. People are hugging each other. People are crying, getting emotional because I mean, shit, you don't know if that's the last time you're going to see that person ever again. Right. Well, the weight of that situation, man, I mean, there's really nothing more you can describe that goes on in the world, you know? And, you know, this is the first deployment that, you know, my unit going to Afghanistan. <clears throat> now the uh SF group um let's see what what uh fifth group is stationed at Fort Campbell. They're the ones that kicked off the war in Afghanistan. Those oh, are no shit. Yeah. Those are the horse soldiers that rode on horseback in Afghanistan. If you've ever oh. if you've never seen the movie Twelve Strong I recommend watching it. Okay. Because it's about that whole time and about the uh, fifth group soldiers from Campbell. I've actually got to meet a few of them uh, working at USA Cares where we're getting now. And that's fucking badass. They're so awesome. They, they own a bourbon company now. Oh, that that's kind of fitting. <laughs> yeah. It seems like the military and alcohol are like two <laughs> entities in the same. And what's crazy about their, um, like what the, the mold that makes their bottles Mm-hmm. It's forged out of steel from the World Trade Center. Holy oh, I, I've heard of this. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, now. horse soldier work bourbon. Talking about okay, is, is what it's called. I, Wait, I would wild. How do you even get? <laughs> how do you even get a hold of that horse soldier bourbon? Yeah, right there. No shit. Yeah. Look at that. That is it. How in the fuck do you randomly have that? <laughs> so, quick side note. Uh, when I quit my last job, I was there for almost a decade. And this is my, where I heard it from was Kyle. It wouldn't work. My boss was a Marine. And so obviously a lot of his friends are Marines that live in the community that I worked for. And when they found out that I was leaving, he brought me this and said, if I ever met somebody that should have been a Marine that wasn't, this is for you. And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. I did not know that, though. Yeah. So okay, that so bottle that you're holding was formed from metal from the World Trade Center. Let me see one one more time, Kyle. 
So the metal around it right there, or oh no no no, the, the metal actual, that formed. Yeah, that got forms, you, uh, got you, got you, got you. Yeah, bro, it's, that it's is dope. fucking tight. Yeah. Good for you, bro. The Fuck, the cool. the bottle to get a hold of is the um, I think it's the commander's bottle. I think that's what it's called. That's the really expensive one. What you got there, Kyle? Um, <coughs> premium. I don't oh, know. Your, your boss know. fucking hates you. <clears throat> no, well, it wasn't still... my boss that did it. Right. That's it still was about a member a... of the. It was a homeowner of the community. I'm thinking oh, that's probably okay. about a sixty seventy dollar. Yeah, bottle I looked it bourbon. up. Yeah, every bit of it. The <laughs> now have you drank any of that? Yes. Yeah, so cool. I, uh, I, what I want to do is on my anniversary of of leaving there, mm-hmm. take a little sip. Just remember all the shit that I went through for that place. <laughs> when is it? When is that? <laughs> October. Okay, okay. Yeah. When's the last time you drank something? <sighs> Couldn't even tell you, but oh, when the tree fell on my house. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a good time to start drinking. Yeah, because I, I don't drink. <laughs> well, I, I used to, but uh, because of my health, I don't drink. But uh, when a tree fell in my house, I was like, I want a beer. Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't blame you. I that's pretty you. cool, man. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And it's and sick. don't let me forget. I'll sh- I'll show you a picture of myself and Will Summers. He's one of the twelve soldiers that you okay. know started that whole. I have a picture of me and him um, at our gala that we had last. Not. It wasn't. Was it last year? No, it wasn't last year. It was a year before. Okay. Um. But yeah, just me and him just hanging out. We you know shot the shit for about thirty five minutes probably. Just yeah. it, it's just wild that he started the war. And then he handed, you know, and down the line, it was handed off to me to continue mm-hmm. like that mission. Right. Of course, my mission wasn't nearly as like badass and stuff. Then uh, still part of it. Yeah, it's still part of it. You know, yeah, we were I mean, still fighting the Taliban. People. You're talking to two people right here that have no part in the fucking war aside from maybe friends and family members that were there. But I mean, you were in it, bro. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a big fucking part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when I was in, you know, I, everybody was like, oh, yeah, infantry guys are fucking assholes. They think they're better than everybody else. Well, we, yeah, we did. And, you know, at that point, at that point, <laughs> I, I mean, would, we did want to act that way anyway. It's like, Fuck, you know, yeah. you meet somebody that's a supply clerk or something that just deals with, you know, checking shit in and out. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I'm. I'm going outside of what, you know, the FOB, the forward operating base. I'm going out, you know, behind the wire. I'm, you know, fighting the enemy and it, and, but looking at it, you know, as I get older and wiser, it's like everybody in the military has a purpose and the military couldn't, it couldn't operate the way that it does without every single person in there. And I feel bad for, you know, feeling like we were better, you know, everybody called us grunts. We yep. called them pogues. Anybody that wasn't that wasn't infantry was a pogue. <laughs> Everybody that was infantry was a grunt, right? Or hey, asshole. That's I mean, that's one of the two. <laughs> hey but, man, I mean, I'd be the big dick in the locker room, straight up. I mean, I get it. You're out there fucking slinging lead it, motherfuckers. Yep. I mean, yep, and so. so deployment. So okay. So we. Sorry, I, I got us. Way off topic there. No, um, that's good, bro. So deployment. Leaving Fort Campbell, you leave in a um, AC-17, mm-hmm. um, which it, it's, it's different than, you, you, 
AC-130. Mm-hmm. Right. AC, it's the same type of plane, except it's a jet. Right. AC-130 AC has propellers. Okay. So that's that's the difference between those two planes. Um, you get in those, and it's, where did we go? We went, the first time we stopped in uh, Ireland. No, 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 in Germany. Hmm. Stopped in Germany. That's the our first leg. That was the first stop that we had. Um, had to de-ice wings, and we probably had a... I would say an hour and a half break in between right. that leg. So that's probably about, I don't know. I'm thinking about 15 hour flight right there. Holy shit. Straight too, right? Yeah. And did you yeah. take off from Kentucky? From Fort Campbell. Yep. At okay. our, cause we have our own airport there. Okay. Um, well, airfield. Right. Right. Um, has, you know, a lot of hangars and stuff like that, but yeah. So we went there and went to Germany. First time I ever met a, a real German person before my life. And as soon as I stepped off, or as soon as she, she got actually on to the bus that we were getting on, cause they were transporting us to a separate part of that airport there. That was just mm-hmm. for military. Okay. We were told, Hey, you can have two drinks, you know, while you're here. Blah, and then Sergeant major gets up there and is like, no, nobody in the army's drinking. Oh, come the fuck on. So we get to watch the Air Force, the Marines, the Navy, the Coast Guard. They're all just, you know, getting to drink their two fucking drinks, which Germany had some of the coolest shit. They had pre-mixed Jack and Coke in cans, like in Coke cans, except it said half of it was black and said Jack Daniels. Other half was red, said Coca-Cola. Holy shit. It was pretty dope. They also had absinthe there. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, bottles and bottles of absinthe, like the green. Did you ever fairy. drink it? Um, not when I was in the military. I got a hold of some uh, before I was in the military, but that's a whole okay. different story. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, and long story short, and nothing ever happened. I didn't feel mm. what everybody else says. I did have like it did feel like the room was like kind of like, but that was just I guess the alcohol in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see shit. Um, so yeah, we're watching all these people drink and I'm like, you motherfuckers because the 82nd airborne fucked everything up for us. Apparently some people got hammered and they started fighting in That's, the airport. Uh, everybody figure. that was in the army and my family were all 82nd. So, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Well, they Fuck fucked them. it up. They're all us. fucking idiots. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, we were, you know, we just had this <clears throat> death glare at fucking all the other branches of the military. We were like, oh, fuck you guys, you know. Right. I want to have maybe my last drink of alcohol before I fucking step foot into, you know, the Middle East. Mm-hmm. So from there, from Germany. Oh, yeah. So the lady that got on the bus, she had like this big spiky hair, blonde hair, blue eyes. Oh, like, yeah, figures. no. Yeah, that's what I was like shit like straight <laughs> up like you are the stereotype of fucking germany <laughs> like, the they fuck fucking did that shit <laughs> so and and she screamed like and she was talking normal but she would just be like she she got on the bus she's like everybody off the bus like oh shit and she was talking normal uh, like oh my god i was just like god yes damn <laughs> like, this, this fucking lady <laughs> 
but yeah, that was the first experience I ever had in Germany. Um, Bro, I literally thought you were going to tell me she was like, hello. No. And, and like, like nice as shit. All I can think of is that bitch from uh, Matilda. Mm-hmm. Remember the gym teacher? Oh, that's yeah. all I can think of. Is oh, that yeah, that's, Get off the box! That's a good comparison. <laughs> and, and she was a really sweet lady. She just fucking yelled. And it was right. just like, it's like, I guess nothing changed here. <laughs> God damn. Hey, y'all ain't got nobody with brown hair around here. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, you, you get out and you see, you see the people you actually get to talk. If they spoke English, mm-hmm. uh, most of them spoke at least broken English in because they were dealing with the United States military. Right. Uh, but yeah, they were all fantastic people. Then we get back on the plane after about an hour and a half layover, and then we fly into uh, let's see, Borat was from where? Kyrgyzstan? Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. So and I'm trying to I don't I don't want to fuck this up. So it's it was either Kyrgyzstan or um I think that's where we landed. So we were it was one of the stands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, there's a ton of them. <laughs> So Hell, it might have even been Eminem stand. We're not <laughs> sure at this point. <laughs> so we were, we were. I think we were there for about a week and a half or two weeks, mm-hmm. um, preparing to fly directly into Afghanistan. Um, and I actually left a day before the rest of my company, so I wasn't even with my company, which one fucking sucked. Because I never hung out with these guys. So I'm just kind of like doing shit on my own and just now making sure. Now, why did that happen? They just needed to send um, one person from our company with another company that left a day before. Just, I, I guess you. it was a, a numbers game. No shit. So, so did you get voted out or did you like volunteer to do that? No, they, they sent me because they knew that I, would, I wouldn't fuck shit up. So okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was no. So they were like, "Yeah, Kirby, you're going, and uh, we know that you won't fuck anything up, or you won't, you know, go off on tangents and shit like that, and just do whatever you want. Just listen to what they got to say and do what you got to be there. We'll be there like a couple days after you. Ended up being one day after us, but um, okay. So we were there. I met up with my my or my uh, company. Then two weeks later, we fly into Afghanistan. I don't know if you've ever heard any type of story about what it's like landing or taking off in a war zone. No. If you've mm-hmm. never flown before in your life, you would think you're about to die. No shit. Because they do what's called military landings and military takeoffs. So as we're flying into Afghanistan, we're going to a um, air base called Kandahar. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the largest air bases in Afghanistan. That's where we were running missions out of for the first six months we were there. So you fly in and then you just take a complete nosedive. Holy shit. And you take a nosedive and then they bank really hard and they kind of like, they kind of make like a a helix down or not like a helix, but like, um, I forgot what the roller coaster terminology is that it's just i thought it was a helix and maybe it might be a helix 
<clears throat> so that's how they land. You just I assume you're strapped fuck. in the whole time in your seat. Uh, the so <laughs> the plane, the plane that we actually that that one did have seats. Okay, that because sometimes you get in these planes and they're just like cargo nets. Oh shit! And they're lined up on the walls of the planes, mm-hmm. and you just kind of buckle up and you just. Hope for the best. Like there's red lights and green lights in there. Good luck. <laughs> if that if that light turns red, just know that we're going down. So it's like <laughs> So yeah, you you do that shit and I was prepared because they had told me, Hey, this may be fucking scary doing this the first time. And it is. It's fucking terrifying. Right. Because you're just banking and you're turning and you feel like you're just going down. But we landed safe. And I will never forget that first step that I took off that plane into Afghanistan and how light that air is like, cause you're huh. way above sea level, right? Okay. You're way above sea level. I'm not used to that shit. I'm from Kentucky. I've been in Kentucky or in the South pretty much my entire life. And you get to that, you get to that shit where you're, you know, a mile or so above sea level. And that shit mm-hmm. is just, it just, it's hard to breathe just right, walking. Right. You're just like, <gasps> you know, best shape of my life. And I'm having issues breathing in a country right. that I'm supposed to be fighting in a war in. Well, come to find out that they give you about a month to ac- accumulate, ac- accumulate. Thank you. Or no, yeah. acclimate, a- acclimate, yeah. acclimate, acclimate. Oh, accumulate. The they give you, they give you time to stack <laughs> shit up. They let they you just, get a few things they, stacked up, a couple rocks. Us, they just let dirt. us get get as much air as possible. We just <laughs> stupid, accumulate all stupid, the air. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, we I'm accumulate. A fucking idiot. I'll I, see I you guys can later. Fucking say that word. <laughs> Kyle knows oh, the word. Acclimate. 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 All right, everybody. So, yeah. Acclimate. All right. After so, yeah. you accumulate your shit. Yeah. After you all get right. all the air you can, <laughs> and you just put it in your pockets. But yeah, you get you get that month of time to get used to the air and shit like that. Okay. Get used to the the temperatures because it's fucking 125 degrees there. Oh, and uh. and that's not the worst part. In the winter, it gets fucking below zero, uh. and it snows. And what a weird place! <laughs> it's a yeah, which it's all hole. desert, right? It's a no. It's all mountains. Oh, Iraq's all oh that's desert. What I'm thinking of. Afghanistan's all the the terrain there sucks. Damn. The Taliban are better fighters. They also are teamed up with Chechnyans, which mm. they're fucking good at sniping. Right. So it's I mean that that fight there's a lot harder than what it is in Iraq. Mm-hmm. I mean I've never been to Iraq, but from people that I've talked to, they they've all said yeah, Afghanistan is the worst place to go. <laughs> right. Sounds like it. Besides, you know, if we end up going to Russia and shit, but that's a whole nother story. Yeah. So how long did it take you to acclimate to the the air? So yeah, it took <clears throat> it took about a week to get acclimated to the you know, our surroundings. And um wait, before did, you go on, how uh, did it feel when you got back and and were breathing here? It was heavy. It was heavy. Like it was. So it, it, it was the same. It took like it wasn't like easier. 
it was actually it actually was easier, but it was just you you could feel that that heaviness and the density because when when I came back from Afghanistan, like during my R and R mid tour leave, mm-hmm. um, was around September October September I think um, of that of that year, and um, which you know which was a good time because the temperature was already changing. So it was, I mean, it was still humid and hot, but it wasn't as hot as what I was used to. I mean, you know, the big difference, humidity in Kentucky and heat, you know, it'll feel like it's 90 degrees outside, but it'll feel like 110 because of the fucking humidity. Right. And how thick that shit is. But in Afghanistan, it's all dry heat. So it just literally feels like somebody's, holding a air dryer to your face. So it's, <laughs> it sucks. I mean, yeah. both of them suck, but I prefer, I prefer the humidity actually over the dry heat. Okay. And the shitty ass air that they have there. And you said they gave you <laughs> R&R time? Yep. We got um, 18 days of R&R. Good. So they fly you back. Ooh. Oh, so I thought you just go out there and you're there. No, so and so so these start R and R like three months into deployment. So if you're that first person to go, it's like two or three months into deployment. If you're that first group to go, that sucks. Like it sucks because you're not gone long. You come back and then you have that long stretch at the end. Right. So right. And then, so it's like you get a shitty bye week. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. And it's the same for people that are at the end of the list. You know, they have that long stretch before, which, in my opinion, is not as bad as the first. Um, because they're you know they're used to it, and then they get they go on R and R, come back, and then they only have like two months left. So I was, I got lucky, and I was close to the middle of the pack. I think I was on the right side of that. So I was a little after the middle, but it was a good time to go. It was perfect time. Um, so <clears throat> we get acclimated. We start training nonstop. We're training nonstop. We're cleaning our gear. We're um, just preparing for the next, you know, because at, at that time we still thought that we were on deployment for 18 months. Because we were told we were going for a year and a half. <clears throat> so later on down the line, they told us, hey, yeah, you all are going home next month. But uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So we, we were all dug in, ready to go for missions nonstop. Mm-hmm. So Do you think that's we, a tactic? No, we were straight up going for a, a year and a half. Okay. Straight up. Um, don't know why. I have no idea. Um, so our first mission, our first mission gets there. We load up on Chinook helicopters. Mm-hmm. Chinook helicopters are the big air buses that you see that have two rotors on top. Right. They're big ass freaking helicopters and you sit on the sides of them and you know, they hold a shit ton of people. So we yeah. load into those and you know, after getting our mission briefings and stuff like that. And then we land where we're at. And I remember just grabbing my shit, going off 
uh, because it has a ramp on the back of it that just like goes down like that, and you just run down the ramp. You get in like what a half moon formation, and you mm-hmm. lay on the ground. And after everybody's done, helicopters fly off, and then you're just there. You're out in the middle of fucking nowhere. What a wild situation, bro. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, we're going to get here. Shit's going to be wild. Um, but no, it was nothing like that. We get off. We do all this shit. <laughs> Helicopters fly off. We're fucking pulling security. You're like, yeah, we're in fucking war. You know, it's like, God, this is fucking crazy. And then all I see is fucking like six goats just staring at me. And I'm just like. <laughs> This is not how I imagined. Uh, <laughs> this place time. sucks. <laughs> it's just going. They're like, they're just like. <laughs> we had a hell of a fight with these goats, boy. Let me <laughs> tell you. Scurry off. <laughs> and then you see the guy like running around with his cane, like the little goat herder. He's like running after him. Guess who scared him off? But ninety percent of war is so fucking boring. It is oh, so boy. boring. You that's, you go that's so crazy. You just. You go through the steps. Mm-hmm. You hear all these stories about what all these tier one operators and all these special operations do. Regular army is not like that. Like mm-hmm. there are hot zones in Afghanistan where, you know, during this time, this place will be hot. During this time, this place will be hot. During this time, this place will be hot. So the first six months I'm in Afghanistan running missions out of Kandahar, we're running month and month and a half missions at a time. Mm-hmm. We come back for two weeks, we refit, go back out, month and a half. No showers, no running water, sleep on the dirty ass uh, ground, you're using a rock as a pillow. Oh shit, bro. <laughs> it's fucking rough. Like, no doubt. I would prefer. I thought was rough. <laughs> I, I yeah. would prefer having those nasty, dirty spots that we trained in in Kentucky compared right. to what we had in Afghanistan. It was just, huh. everything was so uncomfortable to fucking sleep on, but then you just, you just get used to it. Did you, you guys have like a it. designated shit corner? Uh, yeah, we, uh, you dig a hole uh. and you try to find some sort of board or you make something to where you stand on and you have a shit trench. Okay. Yeah. That That's why you're on missions. Rock. Yeah. It's so weird to me that the only thing I've thought about this whole time is, like, man, <laughs> taking a shit's got to be awful. So <laughs> where do you guys poop at? <laughs> you take you take a shit in a shit trench. You fucking take you take your little e-tool, your little uh-huh. foldable uh, shovel, shovel, and then you just psh, 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 like a fucking cat in the cat litter. You Sha-sha. just you just <laughs> cover it up, and then you're good. You accumulate dirt over the poop. <laughs> and what I what I remember vividly from the first deployment or from the first mission was it being so fucking boring. We went to a we went to a village that has just been hit like a week prior by another another um I think it was the eighty second that was there. They already hit it. So they mm-hmm. had they had shit marked on the walls and stuff like that. Like usually Groups would take spray paint and be like, you know, put some sort of symbol on it to say, hey, mm. we've hit this. It's clear. No so shit. We, yeah, we get there and we just, we speak to the locals. We speak to the vil- village elders. Mm. Um, we have our interpreters with us, which is, which is crazy. Having a local interpreter with you 
not knowing, none of us know if he's fucking telling us the truth. Right. Yeah. Like Man. we're having these conversations with locals. Like, have you seen Taliban recently? Have, you know, when's the last time they've been in the area? Do you have any Intel? Like that type of shit. You know, if this dude that is working, cause they technically work for the United States government. Mm. They, they do their six years and then they become us citizens. That's why most of them do it. Oh, yeah. It's wild. You, six years is a long time. It is. Jack. It is. Especially with, you know, being attached to an infantry unit or a special operations unit. Shit. Your chances of survival aren't going to be that great. Right. Cause I mean, those are the, those are the dudes that are in the fights. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, the first six months I was there, never once gotten, gotten into a vehicle, like road vehicle. We were right. all air transport everywhere we went. Damn. And so walk, they dro- drop us off. Yeah. Month and a half at a time. We go do our mission, get picked up at the, uh, at the LZ and mm-hmm. take off, go back to Kandahar. We did that for six months and we didn't fire a single bullet. Never got engaged. Did you ever think you were going to get engaged or anything? So there was one time that there were contractors that were probably about half a mile up the road. They were taking contact. Right. And they were doing their own thing. And we, we were doing our mission. They were doing their mission. We didn't intervene. They didn't ask for our help. So you did not accept the side quest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted to. I was like, oh, shit. Like, you, you just hear that shit in the background. Like, just like. And then you'd hear like in the background, and then you're just like, "Fuck!" So that you guys seen any bad guys or anything? They're like, "Yeah, we we haven't seen shit. We haven't seen shit in a while." So, are you happy now, looking back, that you did not have any interactions like that? Well, that was your first six. That was the first six months. So it got it got worse later on down the line. Um, so the first six months, nothing, everything was all good. Then they were like, okay, you all are going to go to a place called Fob Curry. You're in the middle of fucking nowhere and it's just going to be your company. So it was literally third platoon, my company or my, mm-hmm. my company or in my company, my platoon. God, right. Told you fucking brain foggy it's gets me every time. Uh, so we're there by ourselves. The rest of our company is over at Fob Tillman. And if that mm-hmm. name sounds familiar, it was named after Pat Tillman. Oh, Pat Tillman, oh, football oh, player, okay. NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Played for Arizona oh. Cardinals. Yeah. Quit playing football, joined the military, became an Army Ranger. Right. He was actually Bad killed. motherfucker. He was. And he was actually killed by Army Rangers as well. No shit. Is Was it friendly he, fire? Yeah. His brother's. It was his brother's squad that oh, no killed him. Shit. So that that that's just icing on the fucking cake right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, badass fucking dude. Oh, very, man. you know, I have much respect for Pat for leaving a very cush life being a NFL football player to join the military and become one of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet, you know, joining the yeah. Rangers. He even looks scary, bro. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. hit that chiseled face that he had and just jacked. He looked like fuck. a statue, bro. <laughs> Jesus. So he I was, bet the man had a fucking rod on him, too. What a fucking <laughs> asshole. He fucking it, get it. He got it all. And that's <laughs> the thing. Like, you know, he 
he was the absolute poster child for a soldier, like what a soldier should look like. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. And it was just terrible, but yeah, that's, that's where we were at, where he, where he passed. That's the fob that they were, they were at at that time. No shit. So we run missions out of Bob Curry for three months, which we didn't go far because we're very shorthanded. It was just, we were only supposed to be there for a couple weeks, then rotate out with another uh, platoon in our company. And how many of it was you? Uh, and, about? Mm, let's see, that we were, had, you know, doing that. We had four squads, which had about four to five people in it um, per squad. And then we had a mechanic for some reason that was attached <laughs> to us. Y'all got any grease? I, I, I don't know why. He he was attached to us. He was like, hey, yeah, I'm here. Um, He just, during the day, he would go off to the little fucking hangar that he had and do he just whatever got a the fucking, fucking helicopter. He <laughs> <laughs> He's just, he just turning wrenches in there to make noise, like, you know, the ratchets. <laughs> just beating shit. So, I mean, it sounds like y'all barely had enough people to start, like, a baseball team, like a pickup basketball <laughs> game or something. And Oh, and we had two cooks, too. Oh, can't beat we that, though. Cooks. But it was the worst fucking food in the world. Like, <laughs> the shit that they would send us would be, like, shrimp scampi in a bag that you would, they had to boil it. Like, <laughs> like everything that we had food-wise, they had to boil it. We did have a fucking microwave, though, which was dope. And, right. Um, <laughs> Who carried the microwave? Time out. Who carried the fucking microwave? Now you know why their bags were 150 pounds. I don't know how. I don't know how. It, I, I'm guessing it, it came in like a, a drop package for us. Right, um, right. Which those are real. Those are real. Um, oh, Kyle. Kyle loves packages. So <laughs> we had He's been a care package. package guy forever. <laughs> so, and, and it's funny. The very first time I saw a, dro- uh, a care package that was dropped, like... We throw the fucking smoke down for the landing zone, right? This is this mm-hmm. is the area that it needs to land. Well, you see the plane over top flying, and then you see the parachutes. And there it is, like four miles down the road, the opposite direction of where it needs to land. <laughs> just like motherfuckers. <laughs> so someone so, else is gonna get my gear package. <laughs> And that was the best care package ever, too, because they dropped a fucking grill for us, and they dropped Hell hamburgers yeah. and hot dogs and shit, and fucking Pepsis and Mountain Dews, and oh, Otis, God. Otis Spunkmeyer muffins and cookies, and fuck, so yeah, that's a we, package from heaven. We we grabbed as many people as we could to fucking carry those bitches back in the middle of fucking war zone. We're just... <laughs> <laughs> we got fucking grills and... <laughs> just running with that bitch. These Mountain Dews have double XP. Get them! But that was a fucking hell of a, and that was during that first six months. So there was no, there was nothing going on where we were at anyway. Right. So, but at Curry, we we were we ran into a lot of uh, like crooked ass Afghani national like um, police officers, army, mm. um, shit like that. So the ANA, the Afghanistan National Army, and the ANP, Afghanistan National Police, they were crooked as shit right up the road from us. <coughs> they were um, smuggling cars in and out 
um, and taking cash for them. Mm. So we ended up finding like a sh- like these lockers that were just full of Afghan currency. Just oh, I mean, shit. stacks and stacks and stacks, which that ended up getting taken and um, ended up getting sent off somewhere. I don't I don't remember where the fuck it was. But we also fought, found uh, weapon caches and shit too that they were hiding. Um, Yo, we never, we never got in a fight there either for that three months. But that was the shit crazy. that we saw, <clears throat> and we ended up finding um, IED materials. Damn, so, that's yeah. some real shit. So somebody over there was making some bombs and shit, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's real deal shit. So I feel like at that point, but I oh, no no no, I take that back because we did take we did take fire. Um, after all that shit happened, probably about, it was probably about three weeks after we found all that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people were arrested. Um, we were ambushed in the middle of the night. I'll never forget because our cook was pulling guard in mm-hmm. one of the main towers that were, was hit first. Damn. So I was... I can't remember if I was sleeping or because at that time I was what's called an RTO, which is a, a radio telephone operator. So okay. I carry, I used to carry a huge ass fucking radio on my back that had this antenna that stuck up way up in the, the air phone and all that other shit. Yeah. So, and, gotcha. and it's not like a normal receiver that you would have on a normal radio that you would just push the button, and, you know, and it was just like this little small piece, like you would see on a CB radio or anything. It was actual, like, looked like a telephone. Right. It was so fucking weird. I have all this technology <laughs> and the shit that we have. <laughs> is this, like, telephone-looking thing that had a button on the side that you would put it up to your ear and be like, yeah, roger that. Yep, yep. And, um, yeah, we got the microwave. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roger that. It, uh, it landed. Uh, yep, yep, yep. It's a little broken. Uh, we'll wake you. <laughs> so our cook is up in this, is up in this tower, and th- you know it's probably eight months since we've deployed. We haven't mm-hmm. taken any fire, so of course complacency and stuff like that starts to set in. Right. People right. are just like, oh yeah, everything's good, everything's good, until the shit hits the fan. And the shit hit the fan that night. We were ambushed mm-hmm. by three different uh, squads of Taliban mm. pushing from all different directions in, uh, at our FOB, our tiny-ass FOB, with just the very limited amount of people that we have. So did the cook holler out to you guys? or He actually started firing. So we had a, I don't remember if we had the, the 240 up there. Or the 249, Ooh. the Saul or the 240 Bravo. That's a big Bravo. fucking gun. Oh, yeah. it's a big bitch. And she... Yeah, it's heavy as fuck, too. It is fucking heavy. Um, so it, I'm thinking it was the 240 that was up there, especially at that specific position. Because mm-hmm. I think we had two 240s at two of the towers and then two 249s, which are the Sauls, which are the smaller compact... Um, automatic machine guns right because believe it or not an m4 is not fully automatic like it is in call of duty so is it is it like a three burst it is a single shot or a three round burst which we never put it on three round burst 
right. unless we were doing like suppressive fire. Someone, someone that I that I follow that's in the military, they're always like, "You're either is like I never put it on automatic or the three burst because, you know, I'm just gonna miss fast. Yeah, yeah, you just, <laughs> you just waste ammo. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. And you know, your ammo is fucking precious. Yeah, because absolutely. when you're an M4 gunner, you know, a rifleman, you know, you have what's on you. Mm-hmm. And you may have a couple extra mags in your assault pack or your ruck, whatever you're carrying. But after that's out, man, like you're that's out, it. you yeah. know, you carry 10, 30 round mags. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of the time we do have, you know, somebody carrying some, some, uh, like ammo, ammo cans and shit like that. But mm-hmm. if you've ever loaded a M4 mag, I mean, you're putting it in there one at a time so you, it's going to yep. take time to fucking f- refill a mag you do Absolutely. have speed loaders which will load about 10 6 to 10 rounds i think that's what it is it's mm-hmm. like it's a little clip that goes on the back mm-hmm. of your magazine because the the ammo comes on little clip rails right and that just fits right into that that uh, speed loader and you just push down on the ammo and it just right into yeah. it but, but still, still you got to do that numer- yeah it takes time and possibly getting shot at, like yeah, yeah. while you're getting shot at, I'd have a pile of bullets below me that I've like fucking just couldn't get it in, and just slunk <laughs> <laughs> <slung> behind me. <laughs> so that cook starts fucking firing, and we're like, "What the fuck is going on?" So we radio out to you know the tower, and the tower's like, "Yeah, we're uh, we have X amount of people, you know, all have AKs, blah blah blah." I'm firing, I'm 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 holding them back, and then all of a sudden we hit the sirens. We hit the sirens inside. It all it all it was was a bullhorn right. that had a fucking siren on it. You just hold that down and you run up and down the hallway, waking people up. No shit. So everybody gets to the wall and starts laying down fire. It was it was like music to our ears for the first time. Like Holy actual, shit. we're laying down fucking fire for the first time in in our deployment, and um, so. Everybody, most of the people are on this wall, and then we have another wall to the right. We, well, we start mm-hmm. taking contact over there. Right. So everybody split up between the two walls. Well, we start taking contact behind us. Damn. So, and that, like, where we're at is at the ass end of the fucking uh, fob. Right. All the way down by our LZ, where all, all of our helicopters land, if they're bringing us anything or if. Some people are coming in, people are going out way the fuck down the lane. So people are rushing to get way the fuck down there. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting, you know, limited and limited to personnel. Right. And then we have the big guns and the, but we're running out of ammo. So we make the call to call in um, the um, a bomb run. Right. Um, so we call it in, it's fairly danger close, which is within, I can't remember the exact proximity of how close it is to friendlies, but Mm -hmm. it's enough to be dangerous. Right. So we have A-10s come in and fucking do gun runs. Damn. Which if you've never heard what it sounds like for A-10 to do gun runs, it is fucking unbelievable. It's right. just these mini guns that are attached to these jets. Yeah. And it's just like, it makes a, 
sound Mm -hmm. and just hearing that is just amazing because they're flying past just doing gun runs and then you just see this huge explosion well he dropped two bombs one of them was a dud one didn't explode no shit so they were like fuck we have to we have to fly back around one didn't explode one didn't go off Mm -hmm. all we have left is our is our big boy yeah. So we're going to have to drop it. So, and I'm glad they did because it was the largest explosion I've ever seen before in my life. <laughs> so they drop it and the wind off of this shit or the, the concussion blast off of it. It was just like standing in front of like a big ass fan and just shit just because <sighs> you saw the flash, you heard it, then you felt it. Dayhawk. That is so, wild, bro. So we were doing that. We we were probably in that firefight for, I'd say it was well over an hour. It was probably an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes that we were fighting. Right. And um, the shitty part about that is that after we were done fighting, we had to go do cleanup. Oh, God. So we had to go outside of the wire and we had to pick up any type of body part fucking guts all that shit put it in the body bags really yeah holy what was shit, the point bro. of that i nato shit i'm guessing but we had we had to do it and plus it's good because you do sweeps and if there's anybody that's there that's still alive well you put them out well no you actually take them hostage yeah kind of um actually interrogate but, them we had we had two people that were alive. Uh, the dude was missing his left leg, um, and the other guy was missing numerous body parts. He didn't survive. Yeah, no shit. He didn't survive. <laughs> but the guy, the guy that was on the ground that was missing the leg, he had a grenade that he was laying on. So. But we got lucky because he didn't pull the pin. So whenever we, like, SOP was whenever we come up to somebody, somebody lays on top, rolls, uh-huh. and searches. And if you see something, then um, you shoot. Well, that no, no, that's what it was. It was the dude that was missing the numerous body parts was the one that had the grenade. Because I guess mm-hmm. he knew he was just fucked anyway. So he rolled. And he was just so, he had lost so much blood and he was so out of it anyway that he didn't have the strength to pull the pin. Oh, shit. So it just kind of rolled out and the guy that was pulling pulling security shot him. Uh. And, the other, and the other guy, we ended up uh, put, putting his like blacked out goggles on him. Right. And we couldn't, we couldn't really handcuff him because he was... He's pretty mangled up. Yeah. So we call in um, the helis to come in and they pick up the body bags. They take the personnel. Us as American citizens paid for us to rehab that guy back to health, the Taliban, back to health at our hospitals in Afghanistan. Huh. Which is shitty. Yeah. And then not only that, is that after he's rehabbed and and back to good health, we release him back to the Afghan National Army, which 
once they take him off of uh, the hospital grounds, off well, off the fob, uh, they just shot him. They put a bull in his head. Huh. So we, you know, Did nursed him back to health. And then the Afghan National Army just put a bull in his head. That's because he was Taliban. And yeah. Okay. And uh, which, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. The only part I'm not okay with is that we spent tax dollars. Right. Fucking, to save someone. Yeah. Rehabbing was, this dude, yeah, yeah. A, a piece of shit back to, back to health. So is um, that part of a law? Or is that like how things are written? I, I think it's I think it's part of NATO in general. Gotcha. So NATO okay. NATO has all these laws that you have to abide by. Mm-hmm. Like in war, um, you can't fire at anybody without PID positive identification. So gotcha. that's like you know if they have an AK in their hand or they have some sort of, you know RPG something like that. Right. Um, and they're acting hostile towards you. Or they fire upon you. So if I have an AK in my hand and I'm waving at you and like, hey, bud. Yeah. It, we have that's to not get, hostile? We have to get positive identification. We had to radio it in. Oh Say, hey, we God. have four dudes here, all with AKs, that are hunkered down in a bunker. Like, right. can we can we fire? Or, no. No, you can't that fire. makes no sense. Fuck that bro that is wild <laughs> like compared so you, to what it was before like you shoot everything that moved and then yeah. now you know it was like now you have to have positive identification which i understand to a certain point if they have weapons that's ident- you know id enough for us to shoot like, so if you're opinion. getting fucking like if someone let's say you're fucking you just took a scoop of sand put it over your poop and someone is like don't move and you fucking blast them into foreverland, and you didn't. You, you what do you call that in and say, "Hey, <coughs> someone just tried to fucking jump me." That would I have been a different story. Face. That okay. I mean, there probably okay, that's fine. There probably would have been some sort of uh, investigation on it, right? Uh, because one, somebody died, and mm-hmm. you know, two, one of them, you know, if they, it would have been an extensive. And I would have had to, you know, like plead my point. Gotcha. Like, hey, this okay. dude came up behind me. I was threatened. Like my life was in danger. And okay. they would have been like, yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay. All right. Then I'm fine. I understand. I understand the points. Each situation is different. Yeah. Because there, there's a lot of citizens in Afghanistan that fucking just carry. Like you, you'll see, you would see some kids sometimes with AKs, like toy AKs that you couldn't tell the difference. Mm. Which is no orange tips, huh? <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Yeah, no orange tips. They're they're made out of wood. They're really well crafted. So how close were you when they rolled this guy over and and he's laying on a grenade? Uh, we were pretty close. Um, because we were all you know picking up body parts and, I mean, wild like, that it, that is part of your job, I know, bro. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was holy I mean, shit to, to the guy that. with the grenade. I think it was. Um, I think it was Vogel was the guy that uh that was pointed at him and then I can't remember who was rolling him over. Um but yeah, I I was within like 10 15 feet of that area. And what was that guy's man. reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, he did what he, he what he had him. to. He said <laughs> so- <laughs> he said he said grenade rolled off like he was supposed to and um they they shot him. 
See, I see. I'm terrible with this stuff. This is why you do your job and I make paint for a living because I want to make a Call of Duty reference, <laughs> and you are like, "Hey, this is the story." <laughs> I feel so bad. No, I, I just, it's good. I'm man. so because like I want to be like, okay, saw the grenade, stemmed, slid cancel <laughs> out of it, two tap, got the dub. You know, you're you're actually safe. You're you're the safest. Like if you're within. <laughs> proximity of a of a grenade which i think it's like 35 meters uh-huh. 30 meters I, I can't remember it's been so long since i remember going through all those numbers right. um but you're if you lay down next to a grenade there there's a good chance that you'll survive because oh. it goes up and yeah out. because it goes up and out okay got you okay yep. so yeah there's a there's a good chance that you'll so survive. your call of duty reference would be bouncing betty you drop down you drop down got you okay <laughs> because, write that down write that down it, it goes up you go down and what's crazy in afghanistan is they had active minefields still that's in, insane in so afghanistan is that, is that current or, or not i don't know yeah, that's that, not what at I'm that time where they recently planted is no what I'm it, it was okay. all from russia no shit yeah i mean you would we would do missions uh come up on like russian tanks that have been there for years and years and years holy shit it was like seeing something from like an apocalypse because shit had like overgrown like the the uh the tank uh uh, treads i think that's what they call them um Mm -hmm. maybe that's not what they call i can't remember but those were like gone Mm -hmm. and uh you would see a bunch of pieces were missing. So they, they obviously left the tank there. They knew they were going to leave it and took everything that they needed to out of right. it to make it, you know, not workable. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, you would come up on shit like that. <clears throat> and the whole Insane, time you're talking bro. about this, you're excited. Um, like, like when it's, when it's happening, you're to, saying that to a certain like, extent, yeah. to a certain extent, um, but at the same time, you're also shitting yourself because, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, like, bro, oh, right. Cause like, it's have, actually happening. Yeah. You have all these emotions because I mean, that's what I was trained to do. Like everything that I did in the military training wise back home was to get me ready to fight. Like so your brain was wired to do this job. Right. And it's all right. instinct. Like it, we did it is repetition, repetition, repetition. You do yeah, it yeah. so much that it becomes second nature that and, you just. Right you react without thinking and that's what that's that's what it you know gets to it's, it and it's like playing football right you know you you run all these plays you run all these plays until you know you can do it in your sleep that's insane i bet like when you sat back and thought about it and you were like dude i did what i needed to do without thinking of it it just happened yep i that's got to be a crazy feeling like to it, be like whoa i did you know i didn't even yeah, think about that you don't and you really don't like it, everything becomes such a blur mm-hmm. that you just start doing these things and you don't realize you're doing them well i mean it makes sense that they make you do that because honestly the second you fly in you're kill or be killed yeah no yeah absolutely like and they they want to kill us and you know we're gonna kill anybody that is trying to kill us right and you know down the line it kind of it fucks you up like later on once you start thinking because you're like you know that that person was you know they're they're pretty brainwashed for you know what they're told you know Mm -hmm. you die for the taliban you know you have 72 virgins waiting for you in in our heaven 
Fucking crazy. Yeah. Seventy two is not going to cut it for me, pimp. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, it, it's it's fucking weird. But at the same time, you know, that person's a father or a son or a brother. Exactly. Um, you know, they're it, they're just they're doing what they think is right, even though it's fucked up what they're doing. You mm-hmm. know, they they go to these compounds and they they kidnap little boys, and right. then they you know raise them to fight. They train them the way that they were trained. They, you know, some of them are suicide bombers. Some of them, you know, they give them an AK as early as, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine years old. Jesus, man. It's just, it's such a shit, you know, and the women there, they fucking have no rights whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, they're probably one of seven or eight wives. You know, they're the ones that can't show any. Nothing but their eyes in public. Correct. So. Even even when we went to talk to uh, civilians, the Afghan locals, uh, they would first go put their women up. Mm. Like we we were not even allowed to be in the vicinity of them. Wow! So they would be put up in rooms or whatever in their little mud huts, and we would talk to the men, the elders, and you would have like a sixty year old Afghan male that looked like he was ninety four years old. The big ass long gray beard um, mm-hmm. would be married to seven women ages from like 12 to, you know, 45, something like that. Jesus Christ. Right. Damn, bro. Yeah. It's, you know, and the Taliban hated us because how westernized we were and our beliefs and stuff like that. And there was just no, Afghanistan went backwards. Like the Middle East, mm-hmm. a lot of the Middle East went backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them were thriving at like in the 60s. Right. And then it just went backwards in time mm. back to what I could, you know, call like Stone Age type shit. Right. So weird. So, so weird. You were, you said you were in that part of combat for almost two hours. <clears throat> yeah, it was about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes probably. This is going to be a weird question that you probably were never asked. How long were your ears ringing after that? Uh, for for a while. Um, I still have, you know, I I have tinnitus now. Because, um, yep. I mean, a lot of the times, you know, you try to put in any type of hearing protection you can, but at the same time you put in hearing protection, you can't hear. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't hear anybody unless you have those really nice Peltors that, you know, over a certain decibel, it blocks those noises out. But if somebody's whispering next to you, you can hear it. Yep. It's wild. Wild it's shit. Good but shit, man. You have to have three, four hundred dollars to get a pair of them. Okay. And the Fuck. army doesn't issue those. You know, when yeah. I when I was in, the army was issue, issuing those shitty ass three M earplugs that didn't oh, work shit. and they knew they Fuck didn't work. That. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, my mom, she's a, a veteran. Uh she gets paid from the VA now because of her hearing. Yeah, that's I my my hearing's fine to a certain point. It's just the tinnitus that I have. Like I the ringing, bro. Yeah, I I'll just I'll just be yep. sitting, and then all of a sudden it's just like, yep. and I and I and I all can't get time. sometimes I can get rid of it in ten minutes. Sometimes it lasts for about an hour. Like it fucking sucks, and it's so annoying. Mm-hmm. You're just like get it out of my head. I just want it out. But so after you guys, so you've picked up 
and you guys have taken that back. I mean, obviously, I I couldn't go back to sleep. I wouldn't be able to. Uh, it's um, you know, once that once that adrenaline starts to drop, mm-hmm. like that's when that's when everything like starts to hit. Like you're just yeah, like man. shit. That that just happened. Um, because it happened at night, and we were working. We we had to wait until it got a little bit light out before we could start picking up everything that we did. Okay. Um, and you could see like you could see trails from where they were like dragging people. Um, you just saw random body parts. You, I mean, it's it's so very hard to explain. The, the people that didn't die that like got away they were dragging people is that what you're getting what yeah you're saying or? so okay. i don't i don't know how many actually did get away uh, gotcha. but we we ended up taking one captive to back to the hospital okay that's the one they rehabbed yeah that's the one they rehabbed and he ended up dying anyway mm-hmm. but so how I, much more in deployment did you have after that happened um so after after that and well and i can I can still vividly like smell that whole picture. Oh, like, I'm sure. I can Scary. smell and visu- visualize it like like it happened yesterday, but it happened, you know, over 10 years ago. Right. Um but yeah. So after after that um we went to Fob Tillman with the rest of our uh, company. Mm-hmm. And Fob Tillman was over on the Pakistani border. Um, so there, the Middle East has a law in place, um, and I don't want to butcher the name of it. It's like Shahara law or something like that. It starts with an S where if somebody's in hiding and they go across the border, like there, that law is going to prohibit whoever's hiding them to like to hide them and never give them up and never say anything that they've ever seen them, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So that's like a lot of time when bin Laden would go back and forth over top of, you know, borders and stuff like that. It was that law that was prohibiting people to, you know, give him up. Damn. Um, so I was, you know, that was like a big worry that, you know, we would get in these fights and what sucks is if they did go over into like the Pakistani border or, and I think, I think it was in the corner. I think the Irani border was over there too. But um, if we started fighting in Afghanistan and they went over into Pakistan, we couldn't fight them anymore. Damn. We, we couldn't fight them. Now could so they, they shoot you from yeah, that border? Yeah. Fuck that. But What, what would be the law? repercussion? Is that, a, is that like a NATO thing then? Yeah, that was a NATO thing. Um, and it's also like if one of the NATO laws, if they started, if we were fighting somebody and they ran into a mosque, like we weren't allowed to return fire. If they did that either, there were protected areas, which is weird to think about. Like you could be in the middle of a, still shoot you. For yeah. That, they could right? still shoot. Like if they decided to go to the top of the, the mosque and start shooting, I mean, we can't return fire to the mosque because that's their, you know, religious area. You better have food and water in that mosque. Boy. Yes. <laughs> you step foot out of them. I'll blow you the yeah. fuck down. And I mean, there are mosques it's everywhere. So wild, Weird. man. Because, because you know, if someone invaded the U.S. and I step foot into the fucking 
uh, Baptist church that's right at the end of my road, I'm still going to get blown away. Oh, yeah. No one's following that fucking law. Yep. How can war. there even be laws in war anyway? War laws. Well, I mean, it, I think it started like after World War II, like after yeah, what Hitler and shit was doing. Because like you have the chemical warfare, the uh, it, in Vietnam you had the flamethrowers, the trench shotguns. I guess. Yeah. Am I wrong there, Rob? No, I believe that's right. The trench shotguns. And, and then like the bayonet or something like that. Something else got outlawed. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was a shotgun with a knife on it. Can't remember. But nonetheless, shit got outlawed for a reason. And I mean, you only so much, like you said, Kyle, like when it really comes down to it, if, if shit hit the fan, I'm yeah, sure you do, you do what you have to do. You got to do what you got to do. But yep. I mean, right. When so you're like, when you're, you're in a country his... that breaks that law, what is the repercussions from NATO? Um, if they you cut break that your ability <clears throat> to get resources and shit, then I think it's Probably the individuals that the individuals that are involved would go under some sort of investigation and could end up in in jail time at the brig yeah. damn yeah it's it's scary when it comes to actual war like <clears throat> like if you're if your reason for killing somebody wasn't valid yeah that's murder that's, that's wartime murder bro. that's which insane. is insane because like you're in a war yeah yeah but there's fucking it's a chess game bro it's like you killed the wrong person in your war. And it's like, what? The person that was shooting at you, you killed them and you shouldn't have. That's just, That's it's insane. wild to me. I don't so, know. It's, I guess because I don't know any of it that I'm not understanding the bigger picture of it. I'm with it's, you. It, and it, I mean, the laws are crazy. I mean, they're, but they're there for a reason. And, you know, we had to abide by them. We're part of NATO. We have to abide by the NATO nato laws that they have of war you know and one of you know some of those crazy laws are like alcohol and um like pornography are outlawed in in the middle east well especially in afghanistan so that shit is a no-go while you're in that you know country so like whatever that country's laws are you have to abide by that shit too Wow. Yeah. So, but it's a good thing you don't have alcohol wire deployed anyway, because that makes sense. Could be bad. You reckon um, you could get a speeding ticket? Could get in Afghanistan? A, yeah. No. You think someone pull you over? Hey, hey, hey! Fifty-five, <laughs> motherfucker! Fifty-five. They had no speed limits. They had no oh, roads. Yeah. That's they had wild. Afghanistan had one road, Highway mm -hmm. One, that was actually paved. No shit. Everything else is dirt trails. That's and they wild. all drive Toyota Hiluxes. Yep. <laughs> all drive Hi Hiluxes or like mopeds. I, I guess weird, I'm man. still stuck on the fact like, okay, you have a, a, a group of people that fucking hijack your planes and, and fly it into the World Trade Center and cause the biggest thing to ever happen in this country um and then there's rules when you yep a whole, need to go fight whole list of wild them. bro whole list of them yeah that, yeah. that is aggravating as it's wild. i mean i, I don't mean to like keep going to it but that is no, fucking flooring me yeah it's wild man you just eat i mean as long as you have leadership that does the right thing tells you what to do that is the right thing i mean you're good you're good are there any um, countries that are not a part of nato yeah, 
Yeah, right now, I mean the 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 big one that's you know is Ukraine. You know, mm-hmm. Ukraine wants to be part of NATO, but you know Russia wants Ukraine. So how that, do you become a part of NATO? Do you gotta like fill out an application? Oh, that's a good question. Denied. Cannot be in your club. Denied. <laughs> it's all political. Yeah. Oh, I'm it's, sure. It's dude. all because like the fact that there's fucking rules in war is it's just <clears throat> proof enough. Like that NATO room, you know, you have like two individuals from each country that are part of NATO that are in that room with their flags and they have their little headsets on. So it translates everything to their, you know, it's yeah. a, it's a wild and fucking politics, man. So, so you got, so you're done everything and you know, you, you've had time to reflect on all that. So at, at what point do you just continue with your mission or does someone come check on you and are, are they like, Hey, you guys cool. You guys supply. You have to get resupplied. Yeah. Obviously, your resources are shot. So when we were at Curry, we had we had a radio connections with what was called what was like headquarters there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we you know we had communication back and forth. We had communication through radio, and we also had communication through what was kind of what I could explain it, kind of like AOL and some messenger. Mm-hmm. There were usernames. And you freaking, what's up, dude? Boy, I wish I had a goddamn donut. <laughs> I almost bought, I almost bought one at the grocery store today, and I second guessed myself and didn't. But continue. Never second guess yourself with a donut. I bud. know I fucked up. We didn't have much milk. I didn't feel like buying any because I had to go do other shit. But anyway, so we had communication, and uh, so if we needed any type of resupply. Um, you know, we could just tell them, Hey, we're out of this, 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 and this, and they would get it to us when they could, um, Mm. because they had flight schedules that, you know, they would be like, Oh, it's green air or it's yellow air or it's red air. You know, if it's yellow or red, then there's a pretty good probability that you're not going to get anything, uh, air wise to you. So it has Um, to be like critical. Yeah. It has to be good flying conditions. Um, right. But we, we had communication. So that was really the biggest thing that happened at Curry. Um, and then we had a National Guard unit that came over to Curry and was taken over for us. Well, we had nice. built this fob up to a like fortress. Like we had, because we weren't really, we couldn't really go out and do anything because we were so shorthanded. Right. That we built this place up to a fortress. Yeah. And we were filling sandbags. We were stacking sandbags. Um, and they came over to Curry. They tore pretty much everything apart that we did mm. and wanted to do it their way. Like our LT and platoon sergeant was like, hey, look, this works. Stick with this. This shit fucking works. Yeah. Don't go your own way about it. Well, they went their own way. And from what I heard, a couple weeks after they got the curry, they lost numerous trucks in an IED blast. Like no shit. Not not even a mile and a half up the road from Curry. Damn. They they wanted to do shit their own way because everybody has to be a fucking, you know, the chief in the in the tribe. Not That's, the Indian. Yep. 
Native American. Women. They they always want to they always want to put their thumbprint in whatever it is, yeah. and they just went the wrong way. I mean, damn, dude. But so we That's we got over we got over to Tillman, and we finally met up with our company, and they were telling us all these stories about all the firefights they had been in, and this and that, this and that, and we were all like, oh shit, you know, we've been sitting at Curry, like not really doing anything besides that one event that happened. Yeah. And um so we were pretty excited to get in and start getting getting into the fights. Mm-hmm. And we had three different rotations at this fob. Four. You had you had those that were on active missions. You had those that were pulling um tower guard duty. Mm-hmm. You had those that were on an observation post. That was outside on top of this like mountaintop. Oh shit. And then you had uh one that was like on rest. Right. Like they were just on most mostly for um like quick reaction force, QRF. So yeah. if shit hit the fan that the group that was on rest would kit up and go out and do what they needed to do. Yeah. Um so we ran missions that way for a while. <clears throat> and we took our first loss as a company. It was probably 10 to 15 days before we were on our way back home. No shit. 10 to 15 days. Sergeant Raymond uh, Munden. And he was hit. And this was the first time that I had experienced rockets that were being shot at like, us. Like RPG type shit? Even crazier they would set rockets up on timers that were just like on rocks no and they would shit. set them up on timers and then they would go off wow and they had it down to a science to where our fob was and they were hitting us constantly so Jesus, dude. a lot a lot of our missions at that point were to go find these rocket areas and destroy them any way we, mm-hmm. that we see fit whether that be a claymore whether that be you know like um, our version of an RPG, um, right. which I wanted to say law, but it wasn't a law at that time. It was more advanced than that. Um, it, what everybody would call a bazooka, but it's not a bazooka. Understood. Um, yeah. So we would find these spots and we would destroy them. So we, most of the time we would climb up this huge ass freaking mountain called, it was nicknamed big ugly because mm. it was fucking humongous. And it was treacherous getting up and down. Right. Like it sucked. It took so much time to get up there and back down. And by the yeah. time you got back down, you were, you were sucking, you were hating life. Yeah. So that was a lot of the missions that we ran at that point. But I mean, we took a lot of small arms fire and stuff like that at that point, but it was like, mm-hmm. it was nothing what you'd see in movies and stuff like that. It'd be little firefights here and there, or, you know, we we were running missions with other government agencies that were higher up in like like the CIA and shit like that though. No shit. Which was That's pretty dope. Neat. Yeah. Uh we were going on I remember we we were going on one like super big mission with them. Mm-hmm. And halfway there we had to turn around because that group got in trouble because they had um like civilian casualties the last mission that they went on. Oh, so we had to turn around and those dudes had to jet back wherever they were going because there was 
internal investigation somewhere. Damn. Yeah, we were like, so that I, I clearly remember that mission because we had the chaplain come out and he was saying, like, it's weird. Like when you have a chaplain coming out to pray for you before you mm-hmm. go out on a mission, you know, something's about to be bad. Yeah, that's not really cool. Like, no. we appreciate it, but <laughs> now I'm going to shit myself. I don't have my shovel to cover it up. And just, that's scary, bro. It's, it's wild. And, and especially when they're like, yeah, we're expecting 65% casualty rate. You know, Fuck, when you, when you man, hear something like that, that. Yeah. They, dude, There's it's fully transparent when it comes to, like, these briefings. I, mean, I guess that's Which good. is good. You know, yeah. it's like, you know you're about to get, you know, going to the shit. You you know it, That's but that, wild, that was dude. the, that was, um, the last little leg of my deployment. And I, yeah, I, that day that Sergeant Munden got hit, he was the platoon Sergeant for, it was either second or I think it was second, it was second or first platoon, mm-hmm. but, um, he got hit by the rocket landed in the motor pool and it didn't hit any vehicles. One rocket went through the top of our like motor pool roof mm-hmm. and it exploded. And another one landed near vehicles, but he was doing uh, checks on all the vehicles. Damn. So he was walking around with, you know, a notepad and stuff like that and doing checks to make sure everything was good. Cause we were, we were at the point where we were handing everything off to the right. next unit that was coming in. And, yeah, he got he got hit. I think it was like underneath the armpit hmm. with um, a rocket or with like with shrapnel, shrapnel or something. Shrapnel, yeah, yeah. And it didn't fully like sever his um, artery that was there, mm-hmm. but it hit it enough. Yeah, <clears throat> and apparently, in where we were at, like it took forever to get a medevac bird there to God get him damn, out. You know, our medics were doing what they could. Because yeah. hell, they're not surgeons. Yeah, I mean they can stop bleeding if they can, but I mean they're limited in their resources. Especially if you have a artery that's being, you know, that you're bleeding out. Yeah, you have to reach in there and pinch it off. Right. And I mean, most of the time, it's somebody sitting there like holding it. Yeah. Because you're you're doing what you can. You can't put a tourniquet on it. You can't do that. But it took forever for the bird to get there. Right. And he he didn't make it fuck they man, they were trying fuck. to get a surgeon on on the bird and that's what took so long is that the surgeon wasn't wasn't fast enough to get to the bird and then it, it literally took like 45 minutes for the bird to get there fuck and that's, man, that's way awful. too long when somebody's bleeding out yeah jesus that's tough man and that was our first and only loss yeah that's tough to go through man and that i, you I know, mean i understand that's part of it but yeah and it, I mean, it, for it to be 10, 10, 15 days before we get back home, like mm-hmm. he had a, he had a brand new baby. Uh, he had, he had two other kids, two, two other girls, right. um, you know, and that day forward, they had to live life without their dad. So would you say that was the worst thing that happened to you while you were overseas? That was the, that was the worst experience. Understood. Because, you know, you would you would see him walking and you know, he great guy. He was funny as fuck. You know, he, where was he from? Uh, New York, I believe. Gotcha. Um, 
squared away. He knew, you know, everything there was to know about the military. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's that thing that sat on all of our shoulders at the end of that deployment. Like all the stuff that everybody had been through. And then that's what we're leaving. That's what we're leaving on right there. Yeah. Like usually the last little bit is like, it's not going on missions. It's just refitting for the next person that's coming through. And these Kinda dickheads. Like regrouping and. Yeah. Doing, yep. And, and briefing and stuff person. like that. Yep. Got you. And it, these dickheads just want to shoot rockets at us. And I, I still, I, to this day, I don't think we knew where it came from. Right. Well, you said they were on timers. So, I mean, when you say it was on timer, so is it like a situation where like, I set one up here, time it, and fucking walk away from it. And it yeah, it's, it's like MacGyver type shit to where they oh, have shit. a kitchen timer. Or Which is like, insane to me yeah. because these motherfuckers can't pave a goddamn road. But they can figure out this shit. Yeah, it's That's wild. wild, bro. That's like, it straight up is sound like some prison shit. And no, it, it, like building a shank and stuff like it's that. It's kind of, it's and it's how they operate in war. It's so weird. It's so unconventional wild. and so janky that but that's the way that they do shit like i mean they built you know homemade explosives out of chicken shit and soap like how how the fuck do you figure that out i've never heard of such a thing man i guess when you don't have the technological advancement that you know the western cultures have you got to figure out how to do it somehow in a way thank god they fucking didn't yeah and and most of them were on pressure plates and shit like that Because you think of, like, what they're dealing with and if, like, shit, let's say we were dealing with Ukraine and Russia right now, like, that's new level shit. That's people that are halfway on the same playing field as us. So, but that's tough, man. I I personally can't imagine um, going through that. It sounds awful. That was, you know, and then it's weird because you're, you're in that war zone environment for so long. Mm-hmm. and then you come home and then when you come home they just put you through the ringer on all of these tests and all of these evaluations and you know i was i was labeled an alcoholic when i was going through these evaluations cuz they they ask you questions in such weird ways like mm-hmm. do you how many times a week do you think you drink alcohol and I'd be like, uh, you know, thinking, I was like, well, I don't do it during the week. I I go out and I do it on the weekends. I'll have, you know, a couple drinks with friends like a couple times just on the weekends. And they were like, okay, do you think you have more than like four alcoholic beverages? It's like, well, yeah, I drink more than four beers, you know, that's that right there. More than four beers in a week span. It was labeled me an alcoholic in the, in the military's eyes. No shit. Yeah. Now, do you think that's just them being as precautious as possible? Uh, I honestly, I, I that's a good question because I don't know. I, I would, I would assume so. Like, it sounds uh, like, like they're like, just uh, being extreme. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's very uh, extreme. Cannot <laughs> chance rolling the dice. Yeah, but you know, I, I honestly, I, I, I went and I fought it and I ended up winning. I, d- I didn't have to go to any like AA meetings and shit like that. Oh, um, <clears throat> and, uh, cause later on, you know, they, there was another evaluation. They're like, Oh, do you drink? I was like, I don't drink anymore. That's what I just told him. I was like, I don't, I don't drink shit anymore. Yeah. Zero, zero alcohol, alcoholic beverages. 
Oh, yeah, Boldface lie, but I fucking, <laughs> it's like, Fuck. I'm not being labeled as an alcoholic and I'm not going to AA meetings. Right. Um, but yeah, you get, you get evaluated. We had like these little meters on the back of our helmets while we were deployed. We had to turn those in. They look at all those to make sure you don't have any like TBI issues or, um, anything like that. See like how many times you were blown up, how many, you know, which oh, like pressure sensors essentially. It's we I I don't know how it worked. It was just like this. It was this box that went on the back of your helmet. It was like that big, and it mm-hmm. went directly on the back of the helmet, and it made life shitty while it was on there because, like, when you're in full gear and you're laying in the prone position, like you couldn't lift your head back all the way. Mm-hmm. Like you had to like tilt it. And you had to you had to relearn mm-hmm. how to shoot in different positions, and it That's was just, awful. Restrict yeah. your movement and shit. Well, our our military gear at that point sucked at you know as well like whenever we first deployed it was like oh yeah you all can have plate carriers and stuff like that which is amazing because they're super light mm-hmm. they're not heavy you're able to move around freely then you have the military shit that has like the neck guards and the the dick covers and all that shit that's on it and you can't freaking move it weighs a million pounds oh yeah i have my mom's uh fucking uh, desert storm flap jacket flap yeah. jacket whatever it's called that motherfucker's heavy jack <laughs> that's a got, heavy son of a bitch you would think it would get easier and lighter and you know better but the thing is about the military the military always goes after the lowest bidder so whoever's yeah. gonna give us shit for the lowest amount of money mm-hmm. you know we'll we'll take it right we'll take it but yeah it was you know after whenever i got back i was I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Going through all those evaluations. And then year after year after year after year, I start um, I start realizing, like, the invisible wounds that are, you know, and all the issues I'm having, like, in, in my head. Um, like, right now, I half the time I can't really think too far ahead on what I want to say and shit like that. And I start stumbling around right. a lot of brain fog, um, like depression, anxiety, anxiety, the anxiety is the worst. And I deal with it so bad. Like I deal with it terribly. Uh, what do you do to try and help it? Uh, sometimes it's, it's hard. Like, cause the depression hits and I get in this, I get in this mood to where I just, you know, I don't want to be around people. I realized that my tone and my posture towards people get worse and worse and worse. Like I, I feel like a shitty human being, but I'm also wearing this mask that people think I'm, I'm good and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, and I, I've went to a psychiatrist through the military and I talked to him for 30 minutes, 30 minute evaluation. And they said that my anxiety, depression, all that stuff was not service related even though it started while I was in the military right? <laughs> like, after I deployed and got back, like I could start to, to f- feel a difference. Um, but cause it's weird, like seeing, seeing dead bodies and, and fighting people, it, it takes a toll on you. It may not take a toll directly when you get back, but within that first year, two years, it, you, you start you start to realize that shit's not all right. Yeah, it's right. almost it, like when you initially get back, you're just trying to figure out how to live life again as a civilian. But once 
all of that, you're like, you're used to it. Then you have your thoughts again. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that, that's a hundred percent true. And what really sucked is that I had less than a year left in my contract when I got back. So mm. I was out processing out of the military. So I'm going from a war zone to an actual United States civilian again. Like All in that, a couple yeah, of months. yeah. So That's I'm out process. Yeah. And it, it, it was horrible. Cause I, and I even, I got out during a recession. There were no right. jobs available. I was either overqualified or underqualified for jobs until I ended up finding a job at Best Buy working in the warehouse. Was that the, uh, the 08 or 09 recession? That was, uh, yeah. Uh, 09, 2010. Okay. Damn, yep. I was still in high school. Yeah, it's it crazy was, to think to me that you graduated, was a fucking all-star bowling operator, went overseas, and then came back from deployment and was done with the military all before I even graduated high school. <laughs> it's crazy. That's a lot I mean, of shit to go on while I was is. just trying to get a couple piece, find some fucking beer for the weekend and smoke <laughs> yeah. cigarettes. Yeah. I'm a fat piece of shit, bro. <laughs> I'm telling you. So, so obviously, uh, so from when to switch gears a little bit, when, so you're working in Best Buy mm-hmm. and you are, you are obviously not a fan of working at Best Buy, I assume. No. I, and you're I going, hated it. Yeah. A fucking fuck retail jobs. So you, you're doing that. You're dealing with what I assume is parts of PTSD. Yeah, you're dealing with anxiety and depression. At what point did you or have you seeked help? And then how did that lead you to what you do now? Well, so I went. So the whole process of going through the VA to like seek disability and stuff like that and to be seen and have a diagnosis and stuff like that. It's a very, very long form that you fill out online. Oh, yeah. Stupid. And Dude, it it's is wild, Kyle. It's outrageous. And the shitty part is I'm still fighting it today. Like, I, I yep. think my my one-year window, I think, is up at the mm-hmm. end of this month, I believe. So right. I'll be able to file again. Because right now, I only have a 10% disability. The only, the only disability I have from the military is tinnitus, from what yep. they said. But mm-hmm. I also wasn't seen by a physician on my neck, my back, my knees. Um, they just went ahead and chalked it as not service-related. Um, and even if you only put in four years, which is not a little bit of time, that's, that's a decent amount of time. Why are you not taken care of for life for sacrificing or possibly sacrificing your life for our country? And I, I think one of the big issues for the VA is that once political stances change, presidents change, laws change, Mm -hmm. bills change. And it changes yep. the structure of what the VA is because it's a RAND government, you know, entity. See, I so feel like that should be the NATO thing. That 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 should be the law that doesn't change. If you serve for us, we will serve for you. Because I I know once once Trump was in office, he was I know he one of his main big things was to change the VA, and I know he took a lot of head officials out of the VA and replaced them with other people that was starting to make a better change but right 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 now i don't i don't know you know since the there's a different president in office 
you know, shit changes. I mean, I don't know if those same people are still in office if they put somebody else in there. I don't, I have no idea. So I feel you like could that go shit in the military. You could go in the military under one presidency and let's say you do a four-year contract. You could go in with these set of rules and then they change presidents and you come out with a new set of rules and get completely fucked from what you were dealing with when you started. I went, I went to Afghanistan under President Bush and then came out of Ang- Afghanistan under uh, President Obama. Okay, so, that, that's, so that's exactly that's the wild. scenario. Yeah. And things, I, I was, I'm sure things noticeably change. Yep, things change. Two. Yep. Yeah. That's I, wild. I just feel like, as, especially with healthcare, you should never yeah. have to worry about anything when it comes to healthcare ever. Bro, I'm telling you, my uncle, so my uncle, uh, he's 82nd Airborne, Green Beret, fucking, he's a jump master, and his knees are just That's a bad fucked. motherfucker right there. <laughs> Dude, he is, I'm telling you, not bragging, it, it, this motherfucker is just six foot six, meanest motherfucker on this goddamn earth. Now, to me, he gives me a big hug and picks me up. I'm fucking 300 goddamn pounds, bro. <laughs> He is, he's my, he's my, one of my favorite uncles, just sweetest man on this earth. But Love it. he, he did the type of shit, uh, where he went away for a year and no one had any contact. Yeah. With him. Like, that's that was what I wanted to be. But it, to, to less brag on him, even though he's fucking badass, his sons are in the military, they're badass. But between him and my mom trying to get help with the VA between his knees and his back and my mom's hearing, uh, it's been a nightmare. My mom started her journey with the VA and the hearing thing three years ago and is just now receiving disability type compensation for it. it, it it's a process. Bro. That's disgusting, bro. It's it really is sad. And, and you know, people get into the politics of this and that. And, and when, you know, no matter what your stance is on the military, at least in my opinion, you should respect people that are allowing you to get to have that stance. Yeah. Fucking and right. you should, and you should want them to be healthy because they went and fought to make sure that you could hate or love them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. That makes sense. Fucking right. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a shitty situation, but so I don't want to jump. Uh, well, I, I, I'm excited to talk about <laughs> what you do for a living. So like, I, so does your, I want to, I want you to explain what you do for a living now yeah. and kind of what led you to there. But I also want to know, does like, your job do anything in that realm to help so what goes on so what i do now is i work for a nonprofit called usa cares and what you also sorry to interrupt no you, you're you good need to send us all the information of that so we can post yeah, yeah. i need and to be able to we link need, that need, with yeah, we need a lot of info yeah yep. yeah so, so just dm me on discord please yeah absolutely so what usa cares does is usa cares uh provides post 9-11 military veterans and like um service members and their families with emergency financial assistance and like uh, post-service skills training. So say, say a post 9-11 veteran gets out of the military. Well, there's always a gap in pay between that last paycheck and the time they get out. Well, it's even worse if they're going through or they have a disability rating. Sometimes they could wait two, three months before they get that last check. And if they have a disability rating, like some of them are hundred percent and can't work. Mm-hmm. So if they don't have any money to fall back on, like rent, mortgages, cars, stuff like that, it, you're, it, it's, 
in jeopardy of getting repoed, repossessed, um, to get um, evictions, uh, if they can't put food on the table, things of that sort. Um, we step in and help. So yeah. awesome. So you're doing the job that our fucking government should be doing. Yeah, you, you, know, you could say trying to <laughs> yeah. fucking just, giving it your best shot. Layman's terms. So our our whole you know so all that stuff's great, but what our main mission is that a lot of these things that people don't think about that veterans go through, those are a lot of the potential factors that lead to suicide. Right. You know. You're, you can't provide for your family. You feel like a failure. You know, what, what purpose do I have here anymore? Like a lot of these veterans are like, I can't, I can't, my family would be better off without me. And they want to take their lives. And we step in to prevent that, try to, you know, potentially prevent it. You know, we do everything in our, our power to prevent them from doing that. And if you, if you kind of think about it, there's like an S curve. So you get out of the military, things are great. Then the higher you get up on this S curve is the higher the stress levels and like the higher the uh, potential of veteran suicide. So then, you know, they don't get paid. They can't, they can't pay any type of bill. The stress level starts to go up and the potential starts to go up. Well, right as that's starting to go up where eviction is, we want to step in before that to prevent them from getting, you know, any higher on that, on that uh, list. But what we're trying to figure out right now is the point between before eviction or any type of loss of a family vehicle, home, can't pay for food, gas, anything like that, to the point where the other organizations help, which is primarily could be way too late. Right. We're so there's to, other organizations that do step in, but they wait till all is lost. Yeah. Is to, that what you're saying? Yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of organizations, um, it, it feels like it's, and I'm not putting down these organizations because these organizations still do fantastic work. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe too late at that point. And we're trying to figure out right now in the in between, like, Got you. In bet- you know, if for some reason we are unable to assist, how many of those people are taking their lives before they get to these other organizations? Mm. And we're trying, we're, we're trying to prevent that. Like we, <laughs> I know it sounds shitty, but we, we want to prevent them from having to go to other organizations. We want to be able to get enough, you know, funding to where we can help every single person. And that's the, you know, that's one of the things we're trying to figure out right now is, uh, of course, we want to help as many people as we can, as many veterans. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that requires funding. Yep. And, um, you know, we're a national organization, but at the same time, we're not as large as like um, Wounded Warrior or um, I think Folds of Honor may be uh, larger than we are. And um, what is one Higher Heroes, I think is another one. Uh, we're not as large as those as those organizations. We run this nonprofit uh, with fourteen people. That's insane, bro. Fourteen, and people. you service the whole United States, right? Yes. Okay. Like we're our headquarters is in Louisville, Kentucky. So Hell yeah, I drive an hour and a half 
You can't get work. away from Kentucky, bro. It just, <laughs> it just is not happening. <laughs> I, I drive an hour and a half to work and then an hour and a half back from work every day. Okay. So I get, you know, I get off at 430 and I don't get home till 6, 630, depending uh, traffic oh, and stuff like tough. that. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough and it, it starts, you know, it starts to weigh on you. But I, I believe in what we do. Um, you know, we we're prideful that 80 cents of every dollar that is donated goes back to veterans. That's that's and that's dope because a lot of places don't stay true to that. Right. Exactly. A lot of people can't put that on their fucking a lot of the real, real big companies. We've talked about it on this podcast. Yeah. And and, and it's sad. Like our so our CEO, which you can go to a uh you can go to a website called Charity Navigator. And Charity Navigator breaks down all nonprofits. Like everything. Like everything is transparent. You can see all financials. You can see how much the CEO makes. You can see how much other employees make, what the overhead is, what's actually going back to what the mission is and stuff like that. And if you look at like Wounded Warrior or some of these other larger foundations, mm-hmm. um, their CEOs are making six, seven figure contracts. Mm-hmm. Like they're right. pulling in 2.5 million a year. Mm-hmm. Like that's nuts at a nonprofit organization. Our CEO makes $60,000 a year. Props to him, man. Sixty G's. Like that's wild. Yeah. And that's that's him being him and right. believing Which in he, our mission so much. I believe you said he was a veteran as well, right? He was. Yeah. Okay. He, he was or a fister. Is, is I'm sorry. He oh was. yeah, he was a fist. He was. <laughs> God damn. Yeah, right. Yeah, he was I didn't observer, know. I had no idea. Yeah. That's too reserved for conversation. Sorry, we're sorry, bud. (laughs) Sorry, it's crazy. It's crazy. Now, is your whole fourteen people made up of veterans? No. Okay. So So you have civilian people then. We do, but a lot of people that work in our organization are either like military brats or veterans, or um, have had family members that have served. You know, somebody in that works for that organization has some tie into the military. So they have some give a fuck about them. Yep. Yeah. That's good, man. So, I mean, and we do whatever we can to raise as much money as possible. Like we always set the bar higher every year, every year we want to raise this much every year we want to raise that much. And like, we have a gala every year that is our biggest money maker, you know, that brings in the most funds. And we have like bourbon pool we have, which ours this year is in August. Um, I think seats are like five. I mean, it's like super fancy. Like you get in tuxedos and that's you know, so every, sick, man. Yeah. And like seats are like 500 bucks and you get this real fancy dinner. People mm-hmm. bid on trips that are donated. Like uh, last year we gave away a trip to Paris. Okay. Um, yeah. So we, we auctioned off a trip to Paris and it also um, was, you could see all the D-Day shit too. Um, oh, yeah, in Hawaii? Over in, well, over in uh, the beaches in oh, Normandy. Oh, that's Pearl Harbor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> beaches in Normandy. Okay, so <laughs> so we did a conspiracy theory podcast yesterday, and and we were taught, my conspiracy was the Pearl Harbor conspiracy, uh-huh. or one of mine, and I was telling Kyle about like going and seeing Pearl Harbor and the monument, and yep. I did all that two summers ago. So fuck you, Kyle. Continue. 
I don't just get yelled hope, at for you. I hope you all that. talked about the Titanic conspiracy. No, oh. we didn't. So we could tell Ruff. Uh, I did people. He did events. Oh, okay. And you did uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. I did uh, the JFK assassination. And then I did... Uh, the pyramids. <laughs> the pyramids. Oh, that's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, we'll get into this. Go check out Josh on Twitch. His name is Roughneck. That's why we've That's right, you do called him Rough. Yeah, yeah so Roughneck two 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 over on over on Twitch. Yeah, we play video <laughs> games with him. That's how we met. Shout out to Nick for introducing us. Um, it's, that's it's wild so how I, I met Nick. Oh, so how how did that come about? So, you know my my buddy Dustin, mm-hmm. we started a Facebook group. Um, it was like USA Care or uh, not USA Cares USA Streamers. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. So yeah, yeah. We, we started that. Mm-hmm. And just for, you know, because we were tired of joining these Facebook groups that were just like, everything was like, um, share for followers or uh, follow for follow, all that type of stuff, which, it, you know, that it doesn't work. I mean, it, mm-hmm. for some reason, it's 2023 and people don't realize that follow for follows do not freaking work. You yeah. follow somebody, they follow you back, but guess what? They're not going to watch you. Yeah. So what, right. what, what, you know, what good does that do? We got tired of every group being that like, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, follow me, I'll follow you back. So we wanted a group that would come together, have a community to where we could all share information with one another. You know, if somebody was getting bigger, they can, you know, help the rest of the community as well. And, you know, just That's cool. And you had to be USA based. Okay. If you weren't, if you weren't, uh, in the United States, then you couldn't be a part of the group. Goddamn, go of USA. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we did. And now, I mean, it's turned into a just stream sharing thing. Cause I mean, we haven't been on it in a long time. There was, there was some shit that went down where like a huge fight between two people and it split the whole community up and it just, oh, it wow. was just shitty. But that's where I met Nick and Ryan and uh oh, okay. Shane, Shane wasn't I don't think Shane was in there. No, we we've known Shane from uh <laughs> Shane, we used to I've go to shows Shane with Shane for 15 years. Yeah, we've known him for a long ass time. I think it was Shane and Ryan were the the two that were in that group and uh yeah, we all that's started playing COD with um with Nick and Ryan and then I ended up meeting Shane and I believe I played with Matt and I don't know if I played with you guys uh, in Rebirth or in. Uh, it's uh, it's no, a good possibility. We met you and we played around a little bit, but we didn't get to really hang with you until uh, we started playing Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, yeah, that's, yep. yeah. That's when we started hanging out. Yeah, because I had you know I had my crew that I was playing with. You know, three three people to four people a night, and exactly we were all streaming, and then the whole war zone debacle happened and mm-hmm. nobody wanted to fucking play anymore. Yep. That's the shitty thing of it. Yeah. yeah so, but the, I don't yeah. know if it's so shitty because now we have all of us that can be in more than a group of four. Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So we do get more people on. Yeah. And it is tight to fucking hang out. So, yeah. um, but yeah, uh, back to your job, not yeah. to, n- not to bring that too back focused on that, but so like, uh, another thing we need to know about your gala so we can fucking promote yeah. the fuck out of that. So um, yeah, you got to send us a bunch of stuff. Yeah, so is absolutely. that like something you help organize? 
Well, so what I do for the organization is I'm the multimedia designer. So okay. after the oh, that's scope, sick, so that's tight, dude. Hell so yeah. after I got out of school, I ended up, or after I got out of the military, I ended up going to school, and okay. I became, I got my degree in graphic design. Fuck yes. So then I started working for a print company, and uh, that was in Indiana. And okay. So I was, you know, learning the the ropes from inside the company and setting stuff up for print things like that, mm -hmm. designing, also designed websites and stuff like that too. Uh, but then I had a friend that contacted me and she was like, hey, there's this job opening. And I instantly thought about you about this position because it's veteran oriented. I had no oh, idea yeah. who USA Cares was because we don't, we don't use any type of um, funding for advertising. Right. We don't spend a dime on advertising. That's, that's cool. And, you know, we get, around by word of mouth and yep. and social media and it i mean it works um so i ended up applying getting the job there and i've you know i fell in love with it i ended up just starting as a graphic designer then it moved over to graphics and videography photography uh stuff like that you know i have some things that i've done on youtube on the usa cares youtube channel that i've done you know videography wise and stuff like that i'm still fairly new to I, i'm all self-taught for that like videography oh, yeah. and stuff like that <clears throat> and right. i use a badass camera at work no <laughs> <laughs> fuck yes it's like a six thousand dollar camera oh yeah that i had to learn on the fly and yeah. also produce a podcast there and uh yeah that that was um i was told because we had a like a third-party company doing it mm -hmm. which was right up the road from our uh, office and then they went under so no i shit. had yeah, I had my boss at the time. He was like, hey, um, you have one week to get a in-house podcast studio up and going. No shit. So, yeah, I turned a little corner of my office into a podcast studio where I have an entire set that I, because I film every single uh, podcast that we do. We don't always put them online. Right. Um, but the audio is up every week. And, That's uh, sick. Yeah, I ordered a, you know, roadcaster pro four mm. road mics uh wired everything up myself and did it all in under a week and the next thing next person we had on was like a a retired uh sergeant major um because it was a you know it was a big deal that it had to be up and then like two uh, or a week after that it was general petraeus um who you know was in charge of the pretty much the entire afghanistan operation no shit yeah, I I fought under General Petraeus while I was over there. So it's, That's wild. It's dude. wild. Yep. So on your podcast, um, are you guys just telling like stories? Are you like, are, are you doing things for veterans? What what what's surrounding that podcast? So the podcast is just at first it started just for people to see who USA Cares was, what gotcha. we do, all that type of stuff. But then it it evolved like all podcasts do. Um, and then we ended up getting like veterans on that own businesses or veterans on that, you know, wanted to tell their story that way. If somebody else is going through something very similar, you know, they, they have somebody that has been through that and, you know, what helped them or what their options are, that type of thing. And right. then we have high ranking, you know, military officials that come on here or politicians because we've had a couple politicians on there uh, to talk about, you know, 
current events that, you know, involve the military and, you know, what's being done about it and stuff like that. I mean, it's, we, we have a little bit of everything for everybody. Like our our latest, our last episode was a lady, uh, Marla Kaiser. Um, Mm -hmm. she went through a lot of stuff. So her, her main focus was mental health. Right. And, uh, that's usually most of the time we focus on mental health, but I mean, other people talk about other stuff. I mean, we've had psychiatrists on, uh, that work for the military that talk about, you know, what, what the biggest issue is right now, you know, what the, uh, the best procedure to go about, you know, getting help or, I mean, we, we try to do what we can. Hell yeah. That's sick, man. We'll, We'll definitely, we would love to, uh, promote that you know on, on our humble little page uh forever it what it might do but and i know uh, i did yeah. i didn't explain our organization very well but you know on our website um it has it has everything you need to know about you know who who need who can apply who can't apply stuff like that and, right you know well i mean you got the main point of that you are looking to help veterans without yeah. pocketing all the fucking money yeah, yeah. So I mean, to yeah. me, that that's that's a pretty good fucking explanation. You yeah, know, we, we have, were. Go ahead. No, I was just saying we have a good group of people there that really care about what we're doing and trying to make our organization the best that it can be. With you know oh, yeah. the little bit that we have. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Very very cool. Um. Yeah. When you were talking about uh that you do that stuff for your job, I was immediately on the phone with luke like yo we gotta have fucking <laughs> yeah he was, on he was like we gotta get rough bro. and i was like yeah yeah I'll, I'll make sure i ask him and then like we were in discord playing and i was like i asked you something and then you were like started talking i was like shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah i want to talk about <laughs> this later we'll talk to you saturday i don't want to hear fuck else about it right now just shut up <laughs> so yeah but yeah man i uh i i can't thank you enough for fucking first off even giving a fuck about our podcast and listening as a yes. listener and coming yeah, on our podcast. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, it, man. man. It's, um, it's been fun to do and, it, and it's really cool to have our friends support us. Uh, but we really appreciate you going on. I know sometimes stories like that and shit, like, uh, you know, especially I, if I, if I'm talking to someone, I come at it from a very soft manner. I don't want to overstep when I'm asking someone to tell me about their story. So um, I really appreciate you opening up to us and telling us about everything. Yeah, no problem. Like it, you know, I've, I've done a video once before for our organization that was helping out um, a bunch of veterans. Like I told my story and mm-hmm. um, you know, I had, I think it was something like 12, 13 veterans that reached out. Like we That's sent sick. it to like a couple hundred and we had like 13 reach out and, ended up talking to a bunch of them like via email and stuff like that for right. one person for a month. That's and, good, man. You know, just trying to pass them off to people within the organization that know more about some of the struggles that they were going, going through and stuff like that. But mine, you know, I, I drank a lot whenever I got out of the military and, yeah. you know, and I did, I, I didn't want to be here cause couldn't find a job. You know, I was living at my mom's house and it sucked. Which is so fucking wild, bro. Yeah. Six months, no job. Couldn't it's find tough, one. man. Couldn't Which find Which is one. fucking oh, stupid, man. Yeah. Someone who has the discipline to be in the military obviously has the discipline to do a fucking job. It yeah. just seems like we give a fuck more about meth heads than we do our own veterans. It's, it's, it's getting that way. It's sad. It's yeah. sad. 
And I'm sure and, you see it firsthand the most. Oh, yeah. Like, one of the biggest issues that we have, like, with people that apply is, you know, it's it's money. You know, mm-hmm. they either are not getting a paycheck or they're waiting, they're in limbo. There's somebody that is, like, going through some sort of treatment that at that point isn't covered by the VA because they're still fresh out of the military. So they're having to pay shit out of pocket. And, you know, they don't have the money to pay. We have to, you know, we front the medical side of it. Plus, you know, we're paying for mortgage and cars. And and what a lot of people don't understand is like each individual case, I mean, we're averaging like $4,000, $5,000 per veteran. Like to oh, pay easy. for cars and mortgage easy. and medical, you know. It's yeah. it's crazy. While it's, they're going through fucking, treatments and shit like that, they can't they can't get jobs. I mean, yeah, it's and, wild. And, and uh, like you know, I I can only assume what it like PTSD does to you at a job. I I have a fellow that I work with that he said so. Um, in the big tanks that we make paint in, they have lids, and when you shut the lids, it makes a big noise. And he was uh, he was in the army. He was a combat engineer. And he said that's what the IEDs sounded like when you when you slam the tank. So when he first started the first year, he always had this fucking like duck and cover when those tank yeah. lids would shut. So I mean, like you take that, which you know things have gotten better for him, but you take that and put it on a scale of ten, and you go out into the workforce. Like let's say you work construction or something, that could be someone's fucking nightmare every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. I, you know, I can't imagine having to deal with that right out of and it hits everybody different like everybody everybody reacts differently like no matter what they did in the military i mean and it it even goes like past ptsd i mean there's so much shit that it you know like traumatic brain injuries like military sexual trauma i mean there's the list just goes on and on and on for all these things that you know could be tied in with ptsd it's 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 crazy it's crazy yep. shit that I didn't even know about till I started working at USA Cares. Right. And I mean, it takes people like you and your organization to give a fuck about these people in order for something to get done. We, we, this is on a completely different realm, but me and, uh, me and Kyle love Dave Portnoy. I don't know if you know who oh, he yeah, is. Oh, yeah. I love him too. Yeah. Huge fan of him. We, were, we, we both listened to Joe Rogan's podcast a lot. Yep. Me too. And when he had Joe Rogan, when he had Dave Portnoy, he didn't talk shit about like his pizza reviews, which I based my whole fucking bachelor party off of. <laughs> and he didn't talk shit about what he did during COVID. Yeah. And to us, that was so fucking important that this man is doing what the U.S. government should do. Yeah. And bailing these businesses out that are trying to make a living. So, I mean, it's not on the same line. I don't want to be disrespectful. No, I, one, but I it, completely you know understand. What I'm saying? What yeah. And yeah. same dude, um, Keith on uh, TikTok. Right. Who who does those food reviews? Keith mm-hmm. uh, Lee. E. Lee, yeah. Yep. God, dude, that dude's a, awesome. Yeah. A saint for right a, a lot of these businesses. <laughs> I think I think the shitty thing is is that our government unfortunately does not do what we need them to do in certain stances, and it takes people in the correct position to be able to do it. Yeah. And to put put a foot forward to it. Me, I'm worthless. I'm just goddamn worthless, I'll tell you now. But it takes people everybody, like you guys. Everybody's got a purpose. Well, everybody's we, got a purpose. You just got to figure out what that purpose is. 
Mm. We thank turkeys. you for your service, first and foremost. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was my pleasure. You know, yeah. I enjoyed it. It sounds like of... it was your pleasure, bro. <laughs> I love it. It sounds like you were fucking it. ready for it. And I we don't speaking. have, you know, we, we don't promote our podcast nearly as much as we should. We might post about it once every couple of months, but if we're there's trying. anything we can do um, ever to to help out, let us know, man, because that shit is right up our alley. Yeah. yeah, and especially before or after your gala, or when is your gala? Uh, August 19th. Okay, so maybe before or after that, uh, we'd love to have you back on, even yeah, if it's absolutely. just a bullshit, absolutely. like come on one of our Taco Tuesdays or something, yeah. and we can fucking just have you back on and get ready I'd to love promote to have that. You and Shane on and do nothing but rest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck Luke. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I would totally sit back from that one day and just let you guys, that would be cool because that's your thing. Like, we need to, I, so, so we'll get, you know, before maybe a month before that in July, we'll have you back on, and we'll we'll repromote your gala. We'll we'll get we'll get links. We'll get buyers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe even if me and Kyle can get together, we can <clears throat> talk about buying seats or a table or something at your gala. Even if you yeah, have um, I will. Like, um, I will get all that information for you all. Like we already have, like the gala stuff's already like it's already rolling. Like we yes. have we have uh a website already up to purchase tickets and stuff like that. Um, and then from like this point going forward, you'll start to see like the silent auction items that are going up. Uh, you'll see the live auction items start to go up and you know what we have, all the fun stuff. And you know, one of the best things is a bourbon pool, which it usually sells out within 20 minutes. It's like, uh, I can't remember if it's like 20, I think it's 25 or 50 bucks a pool, but you're guaranteed at least $50 or, or above in, in bourbon. So, I mean, you, you could pull some really good freaking rare bourbons out of there. Fuck well, yeah, this dude. episode won't be posted until uh, not this upcoming Thursday, but the following one. Mm-hmm. So you do have some time um, yeah. just to give me whatever information you would like posted with this episode. Yeah. I'll, uh, on Monday, I will, uh, I'll gather everything from work and, send it to you uh, either I'll, I'll i'll get with you all and figure out the best way to to send it okay because it, it may be too large via email or That's whatever fine. it is but you know i, no I have saved the dates or uh yeah the invitation's not completely done yet but those okay. are about to go out soon but yeah i'll get all kinds of shit for you all fuck yeah thank dude. you man we're, we're, yeah yep. we appreciate it and we appreciate what you do well i appreciate you all for having me on it's been a blast i loved it Fuck yeah, we I enjoyed every fucking second of listening to it. <laughs> me, it was sick. This has been fucking awesome. Yeah, it's been good. <laughs> me it's being been one of my favorite out of fucking this, I was doing the whole episode, bro. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, me being you, a yeah. producer on our podcast, I don't I don't speak much on our podcast, so it's just like every once in a while you'll hear me and people are like, oh, who the fuck is that guy? You know? So. Oh, you're the Jamie of the <laughs> yeah, Joe Rogan yeah. podcast. <laughs> Brian, take notes. <laughs> fuck, man. I'm just well, you cool. Know, they'll, they'll ask. They'll be like, hey, you know, I, I talk, spoke to this person, you know, and I'll I'll just chime in here and there, and they're you know usually because people can't see me because mm-hmm. there's a huge wall, and I just have my computer screens and stuff like that, and I'm just like. People are like, who is who's talking? Like, I can't, I can't <laughs> see him. <laughs> Hell yeah! All right, yeah. man. Well, uh, we appreciate it. Can't wait to talk to you in the summertime. Yeah, absolutely, guys. All Been right, a pleasure. Thanks, Ruff. Thank yeah, you, man. All. Later. Later. Later.